Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Movies. As always, I'm Johnny Mockney, and this episode is pretty near and dear to my heart. It's the last episode, at least for quite some time, that I will record with my good friend Osama Basal, who, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, has been on a couple times before, and he has just recently moved out to the East Coast, which is great for his comedy career and obviously a little bittersweet for uh, his friends here back home. But we're all very proud of him and happy for him. And um, uh, to sort of mark the occasion, I wanted to make sure I got one last uh, in-person episode with him. And uh, we talked about Bicentennial Man, the movie directed by Chris Columbus starring Robin Williams. I have to forewarn people out there who might be hardcore fans of the movie Bicentennial Man. It does not take up the bulk of this episode. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the, a lot of these episodes with comics and, uh, you know, people like Osa, we, we, I don't quite know what to cut out and what to leave in. And usually I end up just leaving a lot more in because a lot of the weird digressions and the ramblings, I mean, that's, that's, part of the meat of it that's kind of part of the value of talking to the person I'm with and that's definitely the case when I'm talking to Osa so uh we keep kind of bringing the conversation back around to Bicentennial Man but uh obviously we 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 go all over the place and I wouldn't have it any other way so I I hope if you enjoy uh great conversations with great people uh that occasionally dip into uh, a certain nostalgic movie from the 90s. I hope you enjoy this. So without any further ado, please enjoy this very candid conversation with Osama Basal on this episode of We Are Movies. This is Robin Williams and Jim Carrey, those two guys. Were those your guys growing up? Yeah, I think before stand-up comedy, it was just these, like, um, you know, just the really funny guys, the facial expressions, you know. Yeah. Robin Williams has that movie as a doctor. Uh, he, Patch Adams. Yeah, which, yeah, where he uses a lot of his, like, improv skills, I feel, in the right. hospital scenes. Well, there's a couple Robin Williams movies where, because actually that's based on, that's semi-based on a true mm. story, Patch Adams, and so is uh, Good Morning Vietnam. So in both of them, he's playing a real-life guy, but it's like an excuse to get Robin Williams to basically do stand-up mm -hmm. in the movie. Like, he's a character who's a comedian, but not really. But, but he basically does Robin Williams' acts. Because I see that movie. Yeah. I have to see it. Well, so that was, I mean, would you point to, like, your entryway into stand-up? Would you point to, like, people like Robin Williams and Jim Carrey? Was yeah. that how you... For sure. These two... I like the fact... I recognized early on that these are comedians that do serious movies. Yeah. And that was impressive. And that's where I learned that these comics um, are very emotionally deep. Yeah. And maybe hurt, like, you know, imperfect creatures in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, these guys and then the Arabic um, uh, a theater scene. Oh, yeah. In the Middle East, we have really great theaters where, like, they have a whole play. And it's a comedy genre theater, for example. And we have very famous actors that go from the big screen they come to theater. It's not like a, it's not a bridge. In fact, some, some crowds want to see. It's like you coming one day and watching like Jim Carrey do a Broadway. Yeah. Like these guys are as big there and they, people buy tickets to go watch them do live. And so 
Um, and it's theater, like just like plays and stuff. It's a play, yeah. yeah. And okay. they, actors go in and out, and so Egypt is known for the theater. Okay. Like if you want to go, Egypt is known for the cinema and the theater, and Syria is known for the series and film, like uh, shows. Okay. That's that's the both are those are the top notch productions. If you want to work in those, that's what you gotta do. So with theater, yeah, that's one of the things that I uh, made me laugh. Yeah. Like uh, like uh, like from the heart, is I watched. Um, uh, it's a watch like this this um, actor called Samir Ghanem, and he's uh, he's just hilarious. Like just he, he you know there's a scene where he's like in a not to take too long of this, but um, he's take as long as you want. The, the whole story <laughs> is this: he is a guy who's very poor, piss poor, and he's in the gutters, and he marries this rich woman, who's very like very spoiled but very innocent. She loves him, and they go and live together in like this like slums of Egypt, whatever. This is the whole stage. Uh, uh, and so she goes like, do you love me? And she's very naive, so she she never sees the poor in him, she just sees him. Mm-hmm. She's like, you love me? And then uh, he keeps saying, this is the, so this is the, this is like, this table is the table of our love. This is the thing of our love. And then he goes like, this cockroach is the cockroach of our love. And so, you know, it doesn't sound as funny now, and then he goes, my love is the love of our love. Like, he keeps overemphasizing the, 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 the almost the punchline. And the crowd, you can tell they keep laughing harder and harder. And this is like a, I think a play from the 80s or something. Yeah. So, yeah. They don't do that stuff anymore as much. <laughs> that was back in the day. And, yeah, so these two, and then, because my mom would play the, 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 the theater, the, 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 the theater plays, and I would watch them, and, yeah, and I would just crack up. I remember cracking up as a kid, and my mom came to the room, and she was like, is that you laughing? Yeah. Like, I was, ha, 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 and... With what an adult crowd is ha 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 too, I kind of got it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, this is phenomenal. The way it made me feel, I was just like, oh my god. Do you remember when you first discovered stand up as an art form, and you were like, that's a thing that you can do? Yeah. Like, do, do, do you remember what that was like? Did that exist back at home, or was that not yeah, until you came the, to the US? Well, the, at that time, I think I was um, maybe fifteen or something. Russell Peters. Mm, yeah. Because we had the internet, and Russell Peters. Uh, he had the, I think it's uh, red brown and uh, I forgot what that is the one where he's wearing a white t-shirt white yeah. button up shirt that's the, fa- the one that got him famous he didn't even know somebody posted it on YouTube and it got worldwide recognition so this is one of them you know where this dude is like you know joking about his name you know he's like I want to have a click in my name and Bile you know that like the, he's doing all this racial humor and he's Bringing up to light how people in South Africa are talking and the Chinese guy versus the Indian guy, they could never make a deal. Yeah. You know, and then the, and the Indian guy being a slave is bad, you know. He's like, Raj, go out there and pick that cotton. He's like, no, let me tell you what we'll do. <laughs> you pick the cotton and I make the t-shirts. Yeah. And together we can wholesale it. So that that was one of his early jokes. And I remember watching that, like, that's hilarious. And then, and then I just, you know, with the internet, you go into that, like, kind of, you know, and then you kind of branch out. Yeah. And so I saw a bunch of other people. Uh, among them was uh, Godfrey, who, I saw, oh, who yeah. I saw personally. I don't think he knew when I saw him. You saw I'm, Godfrey in person? Two years ago when I went to oh. New York to watch a show at the Comedy Cellar. He just came with a backpack. And I yeah. was smoking a cigarette with my mom. That's how you do it in a family. <laughs> and she saw me staring at him like intently and he kind of was talking to other people and he would look at me because you can tell when somebody's staring at you but I wouldn't break eye contact <laughs> but then my mom goes like she, she goes like do you know him? I'm like well, not personally but yeah I used to watch him a lot and she goes like go talk to him and I was like ah she's like go 
<laughs> and I think that they, everybody was responsive to me because my mom was with me. I really believe that her presence made them, you know, open the door. So I went to him and said, I don't want to disturb you or anything, but like, I'm a big fan. He goes like, oh yeah, hi, how are you? And I was like, I'm a fan of you since that clip came out that said, unknown comedian yeah. makes fun of... He had a clip that was old. If you look at it now, it's probably like, it says 15 years old or something. It's him making fun of eating Indian food. You know, he's like, Indian food comes out if you ask. <laughs> and, yeah. and he has a whole bit about Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's like, he's probably like been working out. He's like, give me the cord. Ah, give me the... Ah. <laughs> so, but he wasn't known what his name was. That clip never mentions his name. It was like this unknown funny comic. He was like, yes, I remember that clip. I'm like, he's like, oh wow, you read it. I'm like, yeah, I've seen you since I was like yeah. small. And he just kept talking to me. He's like, how long have you been doing that? I was like, about two years. Like, oh, you're a baby. You're just, you're just learning how to take the microphone off the microphone stand. <laughs> Wait, so this was outside the cellar two outside years the cellar, ago? Yeah, he okay. was just chilling and talking. And then I was like, he's like, are you going to be inside? I'm like, yeah, I'm actually just, I actually came to see you. Like, I, I knew that you were, you know, in the show and Sam Morell too and stuff. But I technically came to see Godfrey, not Sam Morell. Like, with all due respect to Godfrey as a guy, like, who I just want to see. And he's like my height. Yeah. And he's like, uh, so you kind of see somebody who's your height, you know, that's how, that, that's the kind of stage presence you can command. Yeah. And he closed. And that was Dave Attell that day. Too. Oh, yeah. Dave Attell had a drop set. Wow. And then I think Dave Attell and the opening guy was called Jared, the, the, the host. And he had, uh, we, we sat in front of front, like on the left side of the stage, where when the comics get up, they get up from next to you. They walk. Yeah. I told the lady, I'm like, please put me up front. She's like, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you, you put, whatever price you pay, it doesn't matter where you sit. In fact, most people don't want to sit in front. I was like, no, put me in front. I want to be... And so I told my mom, I was like, look, if you don't understand what the punchline is, mm -hmm. you ha-ha-ha with everybody else because we don't want to get picked on. Right, this right. This is the rules of comedy. You want to go, why isn't this guy laughing? Yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, look, I'm telling you, you don't understand, it's fine. It's like, ah, let's do that. And she nailed it. Every yeah. punchline, if she didn't understand, she would like... I would look at her, I'm like, hell yeah. So, but then they poked fun, you know, they, the guy asked us, you know... I had a big beard then, and he goes like, "You know where you, you know, you know where you guys from? Where you guys dating?" And I'm like, "No, that's my mom." He's like, "Oh wow, give it up for mom over here looking good." I'm like, "But you, bro, you look terrible." Like, so he picked up <laughs> me, great, you know, great, you know, I gotta give it to him. I was like, "Yeah, I know." And he goes like, "You know where you from?" And this is where me and my mom never discussed that. And then she goes, "Michigan." I go, "Syria." And she goes like, "You guys need to decide." I go like, "Well, <laughs> we're from Syria." You know, but we reside in Michigan, and then he goes like, "Where in Michigan?" I goes like, "I really don't give a, I really don't care, I, I really don't know." And then he says something along, "I'm like, I can see how you're trying to really integrate really well." <laughs> so I think they were listening to that in the back. So when David Tell came, he 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 tagged a joke about like you know something something and about like you know digging wells in Syria, and then he did this to me, and he gave me like a fist bump in the middle of a set. <laughs> That's and amazing. Then, that's uh, he yeah. made my and then when, as he was coming down, he looks at me and he goes like, "Thank you." Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, man, you welcome, Dave Attell, <laughs> for being in tune with." And then Godfrey went up and he closed the show. Uh, he it was before his um, other girl, the black girl, was uh, Yaminilka, I think, or your I forgot her name, but she finished last. But then Godfrey was before her and he joked for 15 minutes about dogs. Yeah. about dogs mannerisms and this is I've never heard this before so it's like I, I, I never heard it anywhere else it's like just a set it was drying out and yeah. they all try their sets you can see the notebooks are on the side sometimes right. that's what I like Crunchies Crunchies is a lot like the comedy seller 
<laughs> yeah, very Crunchies similar. is exactly like the comedy cell. It's a similar feel. It's, it's yeah. sincerely similar. It's a sure. S- similar it's it's a little it's a little sloppier, a little messier. People are trying out new things and yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's got the same like you know like with the whole lights because you don't see when you get up there. I'm pretty sure you don't really see much except the front row, and that's kind of like a similar vibe right. or whatever. And then you get a similar like uh, and think, it's intimate. Uh, yeah, you and know? you get a similar laugh echo. Yeah, yeah. From, you know, which is, so it has potential, I mean, if you want to... I mean, this sounds like something that only a person who's ever, uh, who's only ever performed for small crowds would say, but I do prefer comedy in a more uh, intimate setting than in a theater. 50 people. If you can cram 50 people in a small spot, phenomenal. Like, to me, one of the, and I'm not, I'm not bagging on, on the guy at all, uh, himself, but one of the least pleasurable comedy experiences I had was when I saw uh, Jim Gaffigan at DTN, which is outdoors. So it's people on grass. It's it's like a it's a better spot for like a music festival. When was this during the pandemic? No, this was a couple oh. years ago. Uh, this was twenty seventeen. Oh wow! Okay. So, um, but we were yeah. So I mean, and, and you know, I like Jim Gaffigan, but like it was just a. It was a strange setting for it. It's hard to get everyone's attention because they're all outside and there's mm. hundreds of people. And it's just, you don't feel as, like, locked into did the Did you struggle, act. do you feel? Like, did, did you see the... Sometimes, because you perform, you can sometimes tell that the comic is having a little bit of a harder time. He, he seemed visibly frustrated. A little bit, yeah. Later on. Like, he never, he never got... He doesn't cuss, though. I've seen... No, he doesn't cuss that <laughs> much. You know, he's, he slips every now and then. But, um... And he he had some good stuff. Like, I actually thought... There's a couple bits I still specifically remember. Um, and uh, I, I just think about him doing that and how, like... It, it made it, it like made me feel good a little bit because I was like, even when you're as successful as him, you yeah. still get your crowds where you're just like, this isn't the one that yeah, I'm going to record and use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, he's still a nice guy, so he never like lashed out at the audience or something. But it was, he also, and I don't know if he always does this, he closed on the Hot Pockets bit because mm. it's like, it's like Leonard Famous. Skinner doing Freebird. It's like, you got to, you know, everyone wants to hear it. So he went into Hot Pockets and got this standing ovation. People were like, oh, he's doing it. So... Um, I wanted to have that kind of joke. I've yeah. always wanted to have that joke. The and signature I, joke? Yeah, and I think I have one. I just need to do it more often. It's the whipping one with the Sharia law. Oh, it's so such a great joke. Sh- I think that's a yeah. joke that can be like... You, you close um, with that at your final crunchies yeah, performance, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I wish yeah. my phone stopped Which recording at 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I never got that clip. I'm like, oh. Uh, I mean, I got the first 10 minutes, which was really great. And then yeah. I was like, yeah, so... So I should point out then, because the... the you know, before we get into the movie here, uh, we th- this is the last time we're going to do this, and probably quite some time. A little uh, bit. I'm, I I talked to my mom yesterday, yeah. and I promised her to visit more often. Which I which I don't know if visiting means that I would see the comics too, or just like come in real quick, say hi to them, spend two days with them, and leave. Everybody will give you time. If you show yeah, up. Yeah, it's not even about just the time. Yeah, yeah. It's just you you know time. everybody who runs a show in Lansing, <laughs> so I think... <laughs> in Michigan, almost. Actually, it's almost a luxury. This like, is actually funny, because I think it was... Uh, it was it might have been Jim or somebody made, like, a little group chat for everybody who runs a show in Lansing, and we were like, wow, the whole Lansing scene belongs to seven people. <laughs> like, we... Yeah. Seven inexperienced people. But, uh, but yeah, you're friends with all of us, so we'll all yeah. put you on. Oh, that's something. nice. Yeah. Um, but I do want to, um, so you chose Bicentennial Man, which you actually mentioned in the Rocky episode. So, I did? Yeah, so oh, fans of the podcast can go back and listen to that episode. And oh, man, that you, podcast was, uh, I was in a, in, 
I was I just came from Chicago that day. That <laughs> My mom loves that episode. Actually. I know, but I was. She hung, shared it with everybody. She I was, was hung over, <laughs> and I had done other stuff. I'm not proud of. And I came sure. that day, and I was just I had that like deep raspy voice. The next day, like, yeah. yeah, what's up, Johnny? Right. And I listened to the oh. No, it's right. It was sexy. It was like a salt yeah, yeah. But I was also like, I'm like, I should have just showered before the episode. I'm like, oh. but it was yeah, it was a good episode. I remember I wanted to really go above what Brett Hayden had the longest ep- podcast. Did, did Brett have the longest? Yeah. At, At this time, point, you know who has the longest episode now? Maybe. Oh, now the me. longest episode belongs to Nolan Riley for the Star Wars one. Mm. We we talked about many movies though. Well, yeah, it's a franchise. Yeah, yeah, it's a franchise. It's a lot more to cover. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. but um, that's no, because I mean, yeah, if you wanted to be Brett Brett's. Record. No, we, today, we, no, we can. We talked about Rocky, and then we also <laughs> went on a long tangent about the Israel-Palestine conflict. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> and it's all in there. It's all out there for yeah, people yeah. to hear. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. But it's ahead of our time. Before, yeah. before, you know, before it came back. But again. even I do the same kind of thing in like a bar setting too. Like you, people will be having fun, and I think to myself, like, you know, what make this even better. Bringing up is the conflict in in the Middle East. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Right. And, and, and I think it's a good. A definitely not controversial topic that doesn't get anybody heated or nervous you know but you know it's like <laughs> it, it will add to the setting i feel you know enough with this well you know what i like to do if i'm in a setting where people are getting a little drunk and a little loose i'm like i want to bring up a topic that's going to make them say something they'll regret <laughs> that's 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 my motivation let's catch them saying something you know? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get somebody canceled tonight because so people that's... people will say things all the time that are like the true will come out like oh okay i'm like well the thing is about like, i don't have anything against iraqi people i'm like oh okay <laughs> When they but, proceed something like that, yeah. But when I, especially like soldiers, like when I was there serving, I mean, <laughs> one guy told me that he thought they were good people, but he understood why, like people would like shoot them. Yeah. Because they were, because they, they're a little bit rougher around the edges. But he knew that he shouldn't be there. But he also figured out that oh, well, they're also like their 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 aura is like, and eh, they suck as people, you know, like they're mm. naturally not like uh, very charming. You know, I was like, yeah. okay, well, that, if that's the reason for you. Well, speaking <laughs> of uh, speaking of dehumanizing, uh, uh, mm. bicentennial man. Yes, yeah, speaking uh, of yeah. When was the first time you saw this movie? Man, I can't remember. So if it was in 1999 that it came out, uh, in the Middle East, they showed us all these movies on the regular channels. There's no, you know, just the dish channels. And uh, probably on uh, the channel called NBC. Mm. NBC2 shows show movies and NBC4 shows. So it's NBC2, I think, and maybe around 2000 and between three and six. Okay. Probably within those uh, multiple, because, you know, they rerun them and they play them again. Right. And, and, and the, like, the mask for, like, uh, Jim Carrey was played numerous times, you know? Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, around those, probably about three to four years after it came out, that's when I think then they buy, bought the rights to show it in the Middle East. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I saw, because I, I was aware of, of the emotions behind the movie, too. Right. I wasn't too young. Like, when I first saw it, I remember, I was like, I want to see this again. Because it deals with some complex stuff about humanity. Yeah. And yeah. The first, like, third is front-loaded with all these kind of co- complex conversations about uh, about the intricacies of like what what makes somebody a human and not a machine like is it just yeah, the ability feel? to feel things like it all starts with him saying that he enjoys something yeah is what kind of sparks that it's well you know? 
Well, they get him in a box, right? Right. As the whole thing. Robin Williams as the titular bicentennial man. Mm-hmm. Um, he had no face at the time. It was just a machine. Right? He's just a robot. Robot. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. Ro- his face kind of resembles Robin Williams' yeah, yeah, face, yeah. like this, like the metal structure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the shape of his head. His jaw metal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and right. and obviously it's his voice, but it's uh, it's the it takes place in the not it's like the near future. Yeah, which we haven't hit that yet, kind of. Right, and so a family. Uh, uh, just a regular American upper class family. Uh, are they upper class or are they just working class? I think they're upper class because their house is like pretty nice. Yeah, you know, like, Michigan has a lot of nice houses. Honestly, Michigan is. I guess uh, so. Michigan people are very. Maybe uh, in '99 this was upper middle okay, class. Okay. Now this is the bourgeoisie. Okay, if you okay. look, you know, if you look at them now. So upper middle. Okay. It's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, but actually, oh. no, they are a little richer because they have like a back pool and stuff. Yeah, you have the whole wedding in the back, and, and you know you're richer when you you know you think your house is a good venue. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Robin yeah. Williams plays um, uh, Andrew is the name of the robot. Yeah, um, and so they 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 basically start to realize that Andrew um, uh, is different from the other robots of this line. They're like he 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 takes pleasure in certain things. He's curious about the mm-hmm. world and about people. And th- that the first section of the movie is actually my favorite part of the movie. I think yeah. where well, you have Sam Neill as the father, uh-huh. uh, and Sam Neill is one of my favorite actors. And it, like you have these great scenes where they're like sitting in front of a fireplace, and Sam Neill's like giving him lessons on just humanity and stuff like that. I really like those parts. It was also when I don't remember this, but the the. the um the, he has like what three, you know in the, in the movie there's three kids yeah and then two girls and a boy no no just two two girls two girls no boy and one yeah. of them pushes him off one of them makes him jump out a window yeah <laughs> she does yeah she makes him jump she commands him yeah he falls and then he opens the door and that's the comedy part too is that his thing is flickering yeah his 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 eyelid is like kind of going and crazy and so ever since that day the human part too is that he got traumatized yeah yeah and now every time he gets near a window he flickers and yeah. Although he's fixed, they fixed him, but he still flickers, which means that he has this anxiety attack from being. Right, he has PTSD. He has yeah. PTSD, which yeah. is something that. Um, which he maintains for two hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. that, that yeah, that she she uh, she traumatized him. Yeah, this this was. Um, uh, yeah, I think he still would go to the window and do it if you ask him, but he would just kind of like keep flickering. Yeah, yeah, right. and then. Well, there's like a bit where they're. Um, they're high up in this building, and uh, oh, it's because they're talking about opening a bank account for him. Because mm-hmm. there's this one thing that he makes a bunch of clocks, and they decide they want to sell these clocks. But uh, basically, the kids or and the kids come to the conclusion, like specifically the one kid, the one mm-hmm. he calls Little Miss, uh, who grows up after she grows up, she says like, "Oh, Andrew should get the money for these clocks because he's the one who mm-hmm. made it." So they go to open a. a to open a um, a, bank a bank account for him, and yeah, when uh, like Sam Neil's over by the window, he's like, "Andrew, you want to come look at this?" And he's like, "No, I'm fine, sir." And he, <laughs> he like gets very upset about it. Well, they also made the manufacturer of the guy, right? Played by uh, Stephen Root, who mm-hmm. is famous for uh, he's the guy in Office Space. He's like, I believe you have my stapler. He's that guy. Uh, he was in Dodgeball. He's in No Country for Old Men. He's in a uh, lot of lot of movies, but um, yeah. but then the funniest part was the joke scene. So speaking of stand-up comedy, oh right, I love that scene. Yeah. I pu- I pulled up. If you don't mind me, can we play it to the people so they can hear? Like, oh, sure. um, it's like a minute, like where it's like the joke. So scene. this is after they, 
I think somebody tries to describe the concept of a joke to him. Yeah. And so later he kind of does some studying and then decides to tell some and jokes. And then the father helps him with some jokes. Right. He helps yeah. him out. Which is, by the way, the father also, I like what about the father. They he has use. a great arc, I think. Wow. Yeah. He just has a great arc. Like, everything with the father. Yeah, he's a good father. He's a yeah. great father. Very emotionally connected to the kids. But and also intelligent know. and, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, he's very... <laughs> studious. <laughs> so he goes, yeah, so let's see if this is, like, the scene that... May one, sir? Is now a good time? What? A good time for what? Last night, sir, talk... No, 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 don't, don't blame me, Andrew. Just go ahead. Thank you, sir. Two cannibals were eating a clown. One turns to the other and says, Does this taste funny to you? How do you make a hanky dance? Put a little boogie in it. What is a brunette between two blondes? Translator. Do you know why blind people don't like to skydive? It scares their dogs. A man with dementia is driving on the freeway. His wife calls him on the mobile phone and says, Sweetheart, I heard there's someone driving the wrong way in the freeway. He says, One, there's hundreds. What's silent? Smells like worms. Bird farts. It must have been an engineer who designed the human body. Who also put a waste processing plant next to a recreation area. A woman goes into a doctor's office. The doctor says, you mind if I numb your breast? Not at all. Num, 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 num. One <laughs> <laughs> did it, sir. Andrew, it was, it was fine, but we might want to talk about appropriateness and, um, and timing. It's 10.15, sir. So, yeah. That's a great scene. Yeah, and I was thinking about the timing too, and uh, like, and the dad, like you said, is intuitive. So he tells them like, "We gotta work on your timing." Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I think he kills the crowd there because he sticks to that fast rhythm, mm-hmm. and then they had to kind of catch up to him because the jokes <laughs> are good. And it's I think the feeling that, of like, oh, he's doing jokes. But I didn't even the, re- by the third joke, you realize he's doing jokes. And I think <laughs> what really got him to laugh is that no, 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 at the part the, like yeah. he's like number. <laughs> So it's eventually he made like a joke that was, uh, you know, was, uh, yeah. But that's a perfect scene for like employing Robin Williams' talents as well as a performer. Because yeah. I, I can see somebody looking at this and thinking it's like stunt casting to just have a big name actor play the robot. No, but like no. the way that, because Robin Williams on stage was just like, his mind moves at a yeah. million miles an hour, you know? And so to have him do the fast-talking jokes feels like kind of a, a throwback to that. Yeah, which is, yeah, you need also some, yeah. He had to enunciate really well, talk like a robot, yeah. which is what a, what a thing to do. <laughs> and uh, I'm actually not really a fan of his stand-up comedy. I yeah. get it, but I don't think he was like, I think he was really good as a mind, great. Yeah. But the comedy stage was too small for him only. Like he had to, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But I'll show you something <laughs> after the podcast where he improvised the whole set. Well, Robin Williams, I think, has more become... I, I think the Robin Williams is a cultural phenomenon. Oh, yeah. comes from late-stage Robin Williams. It comes from uh, Goodwill Hunting and uh, Dead Poets Society Robin Williams. Because we, we also... We associate him with this, like... He's this sort of, like, uh, friendly, sad guy who has this infectious smile and we, you know, hook. Like, a lot of these kids' movies that he did, too. We, or Jumanji. And- with? And I'm going to tell you also, he was also like, uh, for a hairy guy like me, he was super hairy. Very hairy. And yeah. he kind of gave me confidence that I can pull the best actresses <laughs> in the world looking like a, looking like a chipmunk. He does. You know? He pulls some attractive actresses. Oh, man. But like, yeah, and he made he made me believe that you can pull up any girl if you make them laugh. Like that movie with the 
the doctor movie, the Adams. Patch the Adams. Yeah, he, Adams. Uh, Monica Potter. Is his... oh, hot. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, yo, I'm going to be a funny doctor too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I could have been. Even doctor. in this movie, in Bicentennial <laughs> Man, he ends up, that's the, the whole, the final act of this movie is about him trying to figure out how he can have sex. It's like... Yeah, well, yeah, we, we will, yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing is that he wants to feel that, you right. know. One thing uh, I want to point out is this, so this movie's technically produced by Disney, but mm-hmm. it's produced under the name, I think it's Touchstone, which is the the name that Disney would use for dirtier movies. Oh, yeah. And even dirtier movies, they're not that dirty. It's still yeah, like a yeah. PG-13 movie. It's still mostly family-friendly. But in case it fails in the in the big cinema, because right. you know, they don't know that. Well, it was it's like, uh, it wasn't us, yeah. yeah. And then it's directed by Chris Columbus, who, you know, did the first few Harry Potter movies. and Chris Columbus is his name? Yeah, yeah, that's his name, yeah. Did he just cut the istifer so people don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw his movie Pixels, with Adam Sandler, I was like, that's the worst thing ever done by somebody named Chris Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's a great joke. You should keep that in your Thank arsenal. You. And if you ever do like a movie buff-like crowd, <laughs> like if you ever, I think... I think if you, I ever perform for enough people who saw the movie Pixels. Well, I think, you know, if you ever watch Just for Laughs, the comedy festival, they have sections in the comedy festival dedicated for movies. Oh, wow. And there's one dedicated for like uh, romance and Valentine. So most com- comedians will come up with sets... Based on that, so I think I've always used to watch this. I would always say like, if Johnny is, gets the chance to perform in front of these crowds, yeah, you would have a great set because all these. Yeah, that was a great joke, man. I, 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 I didn't even know the movie, and I knew what. <laughs> <laughs> That's my niche, my it's cinephile comedian. Me and Patton Oswalt will be the only two. You know? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think you're better than Patton Oswalt. Then. Oh, thank you. I, I think appreciate you, it. Yeah, that shots cool. fired, Patton. Yeah, come on the podcast. Suck a dick, baby. <laughs> No, but yeah, I think it's my first cussing all day. I've been trying to keep it PG and clean <laughs> so your mom can share with more people. Dude, I think Brad um, Wenzel's friends with Pat Oswalt. Maybe he could get, uh, he, he could get Pat on the podcast. It's good. Isn't that, isn't that crazy that we were like hanging out with people like Brad Wenzel at like a local like bar here? And then yeah. he would show up and people would be like, who is this and then, dude? Yeah, and he like didn't even do well that one day. <laughs> but nobody did well, so I'm not shitting on Brad Wenzel. But uh, it was it was a weird day. Was I there? Was because there's a day where people I'm left. thinking of years ago. I'm thinking of a oh, couple years, years ago. Last yeah, time he came recently, he came he, recently. He did kind of do in front of a very small crowd. Like like yeah. most of them, he was it was they put him at the end. Right. And then well, and, I, I loved when we did the garage show together because it was like you had us, uh, like local guys and stuff, and then you had literally some people doing it for the first time ever. Yeah. And then you had Brad, who's been on Conan a few times, and then you had, like, Esteban, who's from on Comedy Central. Central. <laughs> and we were all just mixed together in this three-hour lineup. <laughs> I had the, I had the, and th- yeah, that's, that's the beauty about this, like, thing, is, like, I don't think many art forms can put you, and pitch you against... It's the great against, equalizer. Yeah, yeah. and I remember this dude was kind of, like, um, he's being a smart-ass with me, and he's, he's very new in comedy, but he's trying to be, like, a funny guy. Yeah. I, you know, I'm I think like, I know exactly what you're talking about. He has like a, he has like a, like a, like a tattoo on his forearm. It's okay. a great tattoo, but you know, he's just a lanky white kid, and I can tell he's a college guy too. So he was kind of like, "How long you been doing it?" I'm like, "I'm doing it for a little while, not too long, you know." He's like, you think you're funny? I'm like, "I'm, I'm, I'm decent, bro." Funny, <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm funnier than you, probably." And we're just teasing, but he kept teasing me a little bit, and then I think he thought he got the upper hand or whatever. Then I go up. And he was before me, or it's like one guy before, like after me, another guy than him. And I did pretty well. So his whole demeanor when I came back from the garage changed. He was like, now he's asking me questions about his jokes. He's like, I'm, I'm a little nervous. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
And he was like, have any tags for that? And I was like, I can give you a bunch of tags right now, but I think you're about to go up soon, right? He's like, yeah, I'm like, I think stick to what you got to do, and then we can yeah. talk about whatever you want to do in the future. Because now if you change your goal, your, your plan, you, it's not going to go well for you. Your brain ain't going to remember right. under pressure. So just Don't go. add tags 30 seconds before you're on stage. Sometimes you can. If you you, well, sometimes you can add them while you're on stage. Yeah, that's <laughs> not 30 oh seconds God, that's before the you're best, on. That's the best feeling. Yeah. Is when you do, you do a joke, and as you're saying it, you add something on the spot, like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I added uh, one recently. I'm like, hell yeah! It's like yeah. Uh, just adding the word Salzer about like faking work permits, getting fake for under and, and that's something I think uh, to pontificate about comedy for a moment. That's something that some of the normies don't quite uh, understand. Is that like, oftentimes when you're doing an open mic and stuff like that, you're writing the joke. That's the process of writing it. Yeah, part of writing it is doing it for people. You know, it's uh, yeah. building it. Yeah, right. So it's like if you didn't like it, like sorry, I'm still working on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's my fear too. Going to New York is that I am gonna go. I have like a solid forty minutes. Yeah. 30 minutes I really like I'm gonna use those and repeat right till I get I feel comfortable trying new jokes yeah like I'm gonna cement my name a little bit more and then start trying some new jokes in between of my old jokes and like I gotta and I'm gonna go out there and immediately try new jokes I'm like no no right. I'd rather like people see me like oh okay I feel like in New York, the distribution... I feel like it's probably a more dense scene, but the distribution of talent is still the same in terms of the ratio. Where I think you'll just have... I think you'll have the same percentage of people who are bad and the same percentage of people yeah, who are oh good. Yeah. Just a lot more of each, obviously, because there's more people doing it. And people do things... I've seen people like perform, and they perform like it's a late-night set. Like They got those like, weird mannerisms. They're not weird, but weird for us in Michigan. I'm like, okay, this is a guy we don't have in Michigan, thankfully, because it'd be weird to have a late-night like charisma uh, yeah. in like Hesperia, Michigan. You know, it's like, it's, you don't have to... Did you catch Scarlett at the Garage show the other day? You weren't there, were you? Oh, she's a 14-year-old girl. She, oh, no. She killed. Oh, really? <laughs> she did really well. Yeah, yeah. She was, like, second on the lineup. and people. Like, we need underage female comics. There's not many of them <laughs> on the scene. <laughs> well, I feel sorry for her because you, you can't get into most, you know, like, I was, when I was 18, I, I had a trouble getting into a lot of them. Oh, yeah? Because a lot of them was, like, 21 and up. So, like, I can't even imagine when you're that young. Like, there was a co- yeah. young comic in Flint that I did the show with two years ago. Or a year, like just before the pandemic, January of 2020 uh, in Flint. And uh, he was um, 16, 17, black kid from Flint. But he was known around the, you know, like the more the, of, 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 the, of, the, of the black comedy scene. Like the black comics yeah. knew him. And I've never seen him. And I thought he was just there. He looked very young. And then I kind of picked on him a little bit because he's dressed like, I thought something about like, he looks like little Uzi if he didn't have no talent singing. Yeah. Some shit like this. But, and he laughed, he was a good sport. And then he got up on stage. I said, oh shit, this is a young comic. I didn't know. And then uh, Joshua Adams, who is very revered by people here yeah. in Michigan. You know, he's in LA and stuff. But he was there and he did, and he, and he realized this guy was a young comic too. And he's like, I'm going to tell you this advice. Which I took the advice to myself. He's like, one thing to be funny is another to be, to have jokes. Yeah. Because people always I know that. plenty of funny people in my life who do, shouldn't do stand But I think that was a right. reference to himself too because Joshua is known to have a great crowd work. Mm-hmm. But he, because he said, he said that and he goes like, I need to remind myself that because he's like, I'm going to, he was making a move kind of like I'm doing right now. He's going to LA and he's like, I'm letting you know young man because I got to let myself know that it's one thing to be funny, it's one thing to have jokes. Yeah. And I remembered that. When he said that, I was like, I'm going to keep that in mind. Because there is, I think audiences are smarter, especially ones that connoisseurs of comedy. Mm-hmm. You yeah, could go up there with a lot of great 
with great presentation and good timing, but like an audience will catch on if they realize there's nothing there. Like yeah. I've heard somebody, I've heard seen people go up and they don't do or like they'll they'll have a great presence and they'll start a they'll start a premise and sometimes they basically just talk about a premise and then they move on. And even if they have really good timing and they have good energy, there's a feeling of the audience of like, oh, that's it. We're not yeah. culminating in anything. Like they know how jokes are supposed to work. Yeah, and they, yeah. they, they feel a little cheated. The punchline. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, speaking of black comics, by the way, Robin Williams. Uh, black comic. Yeah. Well, he famously. He it's the, funny. He said the N word. Well, and if you watch some of his old his old acts, like he'll do voices that are clearly supposed to be a black guy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but you can tell that he. I, I don't think he was like any I, remotely. I think he was very accepting of people. Oh yeah. I certainly. think that's why people gave him. People can tell from your energy. Yeah. Whether you actually have like when Justin Trudeau was caught with blackface. Yeah. People were like, okay, you're a good guy, but to be honest with you, you're still the suburban white kid. So I, I don't think that you are like, you know, you could be in your heart a little bit like, yeah, fuck these immigrants, you know? Like, you sure. never. But with Robin Williams, you can tell that he was a very inclusive kind of guy and he's just doing it for comedy. Because he said the N word, mm. inducting, uh, um, was it Richard Pryor to the uh, Mark Twain Award or something? Oh, like that? really? He said the N word. <laughs> but, but, okay, but with so. A, like a, with a hard, with a hard RO. <laughs> R O, <laughs> you know that college friend I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, speaking so, of that. It was it was weird. Well, I'll show the clip later. But. I mean, I'll say this: it wasn't even that long ago that Louis C K was doing Netflix specials where he dropped the N word. He said that and, in his last one. Yeah, and 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 Robin Williams died before Louis C K's last Netflix special. So like, I feel like any time in Robin Williams' life, if he said it, most of culture there wasn't the backlash. You know, and there also wasn't, I think culture has changed a lot in just a few years that mm -hmm. now, absolute big no-no. Any white comic utters the word Well, people. he did, uh, Louis C.K. did that. And yeah. And one that he... Uh, oh, this, the one that he self-released? On his, yeah. I, oh. I, I, I'm going to admit that I did buy it. Yeah. And I did watch it. And it was really good. And... I thought, uh, I thought, it, was, I thought it was his worst one, but I thought it was okay. <laughs> it was really good. Not his best one. No, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. his best one is the one at the comedy store. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. The la 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 la. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> la, la 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Everybody has the one hour or two hours that is just massacre. Mm -hmm. after, not even killing. They massacre the crowd. Yeah, but I'm saying him coming back. You know, it's not the same. Well, like because the problem is now it's not the same game. He's rich already, and right. he's, he's just kind of like he feels that he can say whatever he wants because already canceled. So he, I think that's why he said he said the n word. Because remember the joke about when he said the n word. I don't remember the joke. It's about like uh, this. He talks about like his sexual assault thing. Yeah. And he says to break it down to you, kind of thing like you gotta ask a girl if she's okay. Yeah. Just because she's like making noises doesn't mean she like it's kind. Of, he goes like it's kind of like black people in the fields back in the day picking up because just because they're humming doesn't mean they're yeah. having a good time. <laughs> and then yeah yeah, well, yeah yeah so it's a good job but he says the n word and I think he didn't have to say the n word really I think he was yeah. just saying it for the shock factor sure. that it's Louis C K. Well, and I think the the reason that part of why I think it was in the grand scheme of his specials it's one of the weaker ones mm. is because. Now, if you go buy tickets to a Louis C.K. show, you're making a statement in doing so. You know, mm. it's like, I'm a hardcore Louis fan. It's not like, oh, a group of friends decide, oh, let's go to a comedy show. Yeah. It means you're, you're going out of your way to say, no, no, I'm supporting Louis. And so, therefore, it's like his audience is already putty in his hands, you know? They're already guaranteed oh, yeah. to enjoy whatever this he is does. Actually, this is kind of, I'm not going to lie to you, this is kind of like, um, almost kind of what I would like to have in the future is... <laughs> 
But I do want to challenge myself, but I do want to have that kind of like, you know, people like, you can be trying jokes and people will know your cadence, so they laugh at your cadence. It's kind of like if you and I, we know each other. Yeah. So if you just say some shit that you might not think is that funny, I'll find it fucking funnier because I know Johnny, so if Johnny says it in this kind of light, I'm like, ha ha ha, this is, this is great. And I don't know if anybody else will catch it. Yeah. Because I know you well, so that's, you know. But I saw him, like, you know, I, I think on the record I'm saying he's a, he's, he's a dick because he refused to take a picture with me two days <laughs> Two days in a row, man. That's why he's a dick. Yeah, That's yeah. why. I'm like, all that sexual assault stuff we forgave you. <laughs> but you fucking asshole, I come and ask you for a picture two days in a row. And then yeah. Greg Fitzsimmons yeah. said no to me the first time. Yeah. I'm like, can't I take a picture with you? Andrew is like, no, we are, can't you see? He goes like, can't you see we are working? And I really want to tell Greg, is like, Greg, you never write a joke as good as I will. Just let you know. Go fuck yourself. Greg. Did you hear his joke about the dog, though? He bombed. COVID? In Canada, and just for laughs, I have a clip of him. Fitzsimmons bombed at just 15, for laughs. He, he, had, he has a fifteen-minute clip. Oh Watch no. it. If you type Greg Fitzsimmons just for laughs, he has, a, he has yeah. one that's like seven minutes, and he has one that's fifteen. Fifteen? Why? Because he bombed for eight minutes straight with his dumb water jokes. Oh. That he told the crowd that this is the worst that he's ever had in twenty years. Now he does like a prof- he, he can tell he's professional about it. Sure. And then he picked it up, and then. He took. He got him back with a joke about deal or no deal. Americans turning down more money than they could ever like think of. Cause yeah. More money for me. And the crowd kind of like softened their heart, seeing this guy just kind of failing and failing or whatever sure. it is. And he asked Howie Mandel, the host at the time, not the owner right now. He goes like, "I need more time. I'm not gonna leave on a bomb." Right. And he did 15 minutes on just for laughs. It's fucking idiot. And did he still bomb the rest of it? You know, he did fine towards the end, but he uh, got like the sympathy final reaction with sure. the, the, the Canadian crowd were like, all right. It's really hard to pick it back up after you've bombed for that long and admitted to bombing. He, so he goes <laughs> like, yeah, and he goes like, yeah. And then he kind of blamed the lineup too. Yeah, put Greg after the two guys where I think somebody before him came up and was like more. And I'm like, yeah, Greg, yeah. do an open micro style. Right. You know, I'm like, just how about, and then he comes two years later, oh, just for laughs, does way better, but he did the same water joke. Yeah. But with a bit more add-ons. I'm like, that's what you can come up after. I think that was almost like six years. Did you hear his recent joke about having sex with a dog with no. COVID? I'll tell you off air because I don't want to butcher it, but it's it was great. It's, yeah. I don't know a lot about... I mean, I look, seen a lot he of might be good, but I don't think... like I. I the think point is, cancel Greg Fitzsimmons and Louis C.K. for not getting a picture with, with the immigrants. They hit. They told me they hit Syrians. <laughs> they hit Syrians. They said it. They, they were like, I'll never jack off to a Syrian guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come on, Louis, please. <laughs> but the second day, though, Louis says no to me in front of a bunch of comics, including the happiest dude on earth, Ryan Hamilton. You ever oh. seen Ryan Hamilton look yeah. like uh, shit? Is see him outside of the cellar. He had like a beard. I like the guy. I actually didn't talk to him. But I was like, oh my god, that's Ryan. I wish I went to Ryan. I was like, Ryan, can I take a picture with you? Yeah. But I was stupid, and I took pictures both days. I showed the pictures. I have of him turning me down both. Yeah. My girl took pictures of him saying no to me twice. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm saving this yeah. but then Todd Berry took a picture yeah yeah I saw that and yeah I, t- I told you yeah, just for the list. and then uh, uh, Tom Papa took a picture Tom the, Papa and host the, of the marriage ref did you ever watch that show no it was produced by Seinfeld because he and Papa are friends and um, and the whole thing was uh, 
you would have a couple, a married couple that's going through trouble, and so Tom Papa would host, and they would have like a panel of famous people, mm. and they they'd had like Jimmy Fallon, Kirstie Alley, like random assortments of famous people who would be there to kind of judge, and I think they went like seven episodes before it got canceled. But, but yeah. considering how famous he is and how rich he was, he was uh, pretty friendly, and I had told him that you know your friend Louis didn't say take a picture with me. He goes like ah well Louis. <laughs> That's Louis. That's Louis. He yeah. says no to people and he jerks off on other people. It's, that's Louis. <laughs> but honestly, I tell you what, he's there in, in New York. Nobody bothers him. Like I think this. this well, this, that's I've heard. I've heard. I, think I heard Nikki Glaser talk about because that. Because the norm that he's under the microscope is honestly people are more forgiving on real life than they are on the internet. So I yeah. think he. Like, and Louis's not on the internet, and he doesn't. Uh, and my girl told me he's like I would have never recognized him till you said he was Louis because he looks yeah. like shit. Sure. Like he's just this overly obese. He's like, probably like gray now. Is he gray? Gray. Yeah, but still, he's still like freckles and red hair and shit. Sure. Like he's oh. still got like the, you know. But you can tell from that that he is you know. And and I thought that you know, you can you know appreciate the fans or whatever like you know, because yeah. soccer players. I always give the example of soccer players. They're the most famous. Yeah. And the most rich. But these <laughs> but these dudes will take time out of their you know night and whatever while they're working. Yeah. Based on Greg Fitzsimmons fucking. I, so I, I, you know, that's why I'm going to New York. Is I, I'm going to get on the comedy center, and I'm going to be on the same lineup as Greg Fitzsimmons. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not going to take a picture with him. <laughs> when he asks. <laughs> I'm like, no, Greg, I am working. Don't you see? I'm working, Greg. <laughs> Whatever, these old dudes, they're fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, so should get back to the movie, man. We this should, is, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so we, what we said, um, he, yeah, so they're teaching him to do the jokes and stuff. Then, um, does the other daughter who kind of like asked him to jump off the window? She's the yeah the mean. Does she get into other trouble too with like boyfriend stuff? So it's a well, classic. Well, when 90s. they grow up, so it jumps forward in time, and yeah, yeah does, like yeah. Sam Neill's in some old age makeup, and uh, his wife in the movie who is also, uh, she's also Tim Allen's ex wife in the Santa Claus movies. That's how I remembered her, Wendy Crewson. Uh, she's also in, so like they're in old age makeup, and then their daughter has grown up to be played by Embeth Davids uh, <laughs> as Little Miss, uh, as she's called, as she's referred to by in like a dual role by Andrew. Yeah, because she's in a dual role because she ends up playing her own daughter much yeah. later in the in the movie. Um, so. Yeah, that's strange. <laughs> it's a creative decision. So sure. she's the cute little girl the first time, right? And she's the nice girl. She's yeah. the nice one. And yeah, so yeah, she yeah, grow- yeah. And yeah, and then the other daughter's the one who's like making out with like her boyfriend with a mohawk out on the yeah. uh, classic nineties bad boy. Classic, yeah, nineties bad boy. Except it's supposed to be like the year two thousand one hundred or something. Yeah, like yeah. it's like a little the it's same to- engine that Ford is making, but a hundred years. It's later. a strange thing. The movie. It's a fairly restricted narrative, but they keep hinting at this futuristic society that apparently exists that we only see a little bit of. We see some flying cars. We eventually see the the World Council, this government that apparently runs the world. Uh, oh, the New World Order, probably. Which you talk, was, yeah, yeah. Very 1980s. Illuminati, everybody. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. I'd Luckily, think. it looks like no ethnic cleansing took place because there's the a judge black is black, yeah. in charge. And yeah, she's yeah. the one who is actually almost on the verge of telling him, no, you don't belong here. Yeah, well, that's after another crowd, and it's this old white guy who's just like, uh, we have decided not to consider you a human. Because that's, <laughs> that's the thing. The movie kind of becomes a court drama later in the movie. It's, it's a very... 
I gotta be honest, it was a strange experience watching this movie. That movie is kind of going to a diner that has a lot of food options. Right, because there's You're seven like, different movies yeah, in this movie. Yeah, it's like, yo, I will, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the uh, first third is sort of like a charming, like heartwarming family movie about, oh, family and the robot. But then I realized, oh, this is Bicentennial Man. He lives for 200 years. So all these characters are going to die, and he's going to go on mm-hmm. to meet other people. And so then it becomes... The, multiple kinds of movies. He lives on the beach alone for a while. He but he gets so he gets just so can go back a little bit. He goes to the uh, he records the wedding. I remember he records yes. the wedding and then he plays it to the dad. Because the daughter the dad gets is kind of getting old. Yeah. And the daughter kind of implies that she might kind of like she might like the robot Andrew because she says like. Oh, like, I want to marry this guy, but every time I'm with this friend of mine, and she's obviously referring to Andrew, she's like, I feel like I don't want to marry him. And then he's like... That's after he came back, though. That's after the father passed away. No, that's before the father passed away. Oh, man. That's okay. Because then they they do the wedding, and then he has... Actually, I think is a really sweet scene with Sam Neill, where they sit... And he, he plays the projector, projection of the wedding, and yeah. Sam Neill's a little sad that he's getting old. I think that, because that's just <laughs> such a human scene, yeah. you know? I think that's a sweet moment. I, um, and the, the score by James Horner, who uh, passed away a couple of years ago, but he did a bunch of huge scores. He did, like, Titanic and Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, and a lot of those scores. And I thought that's one of the best parts of the so movie. Remind too. me, what happens after uh, after that like uh, scene? Because they jump from there. Do they jump directly into the future kind of thing? Where, like, well, they jump he... further into the future where then he ends up wanting his freedom. Because yeah. he reads a bunch of books. He <laughs> learns about freedom as a concept. He, they have this great like patriotic monologue about this country was founded on the principles of freedom. And, and it's like, like dollying in on him as he speaks and the music gets kind of patriotic. <laughs> and, uh, and then that's where his relationship with Sam Neill kind of breaks up until Sam Neill is about to die and he asks for him again on his deathbed later in the movie, about mm-hmm. halfway through the movie. Um, but yeah. But then he uh, goes on his merry way. He goes to live on a beach, which is about as old as all robots should do. Right. Next to the water, the one thing that would really diffuse him. And that's the weird thing. I feel like once Sam Neill dies, that could have been its own movie as well. And that's yeah, about halfway part, through the movie. Because yeah. this could have just been a movie. This could have been a movie about Robin Williams and Sam Neill. It could have yeah. been about the robot. And then the part two can start with him on the beach. With the right. scene coming onto the beach and then he's just walking out and you're like, oh, this is part two. Yeah, because yeah. how long was the movie? It's like it's over three, two hours. It's two, yeah. two hours, 20 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, but it takes a while for Robin Williams to be to physically appear in the movie. I actually didn't know that he was going to show up in the movie because eventually as, as his quest for humanity goes on he ends up doing something where he um little miss's son who's played by bradley whitford um uh he's a lawyer and so he helps and he hates andrew the robot uh because he's one of those like oh he's not a real person kind of thing and so he ends up having andrew uh or he, he he helps andrew find all other models of his line around the world so he can try to find out if there are other robots that have humanity like yeah. him. And uh, it turns out there aren't any. There's one female robot uh-huh. that was given like a personality chip, which was a, there's a great needle drop when you find out that this is a robot with personality. She's like at this outdoor market and she yeah, starts yeah. playing Respect by Aretha yeah. Franklin. 
Yeah. The what you want. And she starts dancing and he follows her. But then we meet Oliver Platt as the scientist. And this is where it just got wacky. I was like, I didn't, I genuinely had no idea where the movie was going to go. It's so unpredictable. Because then he meets Oliver Platt, who basically is, for the last portion of the movie, is the guy who helps him turn physically into a human. He helps him gain flesh so he can have Robin Williams' actual face. Eventually Uh, we get to see him. He helps him... He, he helps him as they kind of, they tiptoe around, around the conversation a bit, but he helps him get the pleasure of sex. Oh, yeah. Jizzing. Yeah, yeah. He goes like, I want to jizz, bro. Can you help me? <laughs> well, does it start with also eating? He was like, he wants to eat. He helps him eat? Yeah, he yeah. He goes like, I can't eat anything, whatever. So he makes him like, I think, eat and then be able to, to, to take a poop afterwards or something like that. Like yeah. He gives him a digestive system, which I'm like, that guy needs to be in the medical field more than like helping robots. Yeah. Like, he's so good. I'm like, okay. And then finally, he's the one who helps him gain the power to die. Uh, by So I think he told him that, yeah, I think he's like, if I make you... like, he, I think he gave him the option. Because he, told him, like, Cause he hey, wants if, to be immortal. Yeah. He's like, yeah, if I give you this, you're going to have aging cells. Yeah. And you're going to age and you're going to die. And then it's a decision that you make. He's like, yeah, I've had enough. I've been here for 100 plus years. Let's, let's die. <laughs> yeah. So And then he comes back, meets the fam. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because actually I forgot. It's Little Miss's granddaughter that looks exactly like her. That's played by the same actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, cause she's always like, oh, it skips a generation. And it's like, great, now there's a nice young hottie who looks exactly like, like Little Miss when she was young. And, and that becomes his love interest. And uh, she doesn't even like him from the start. She's kind of, like, skeptical about yeah. him. She's Bradley Whitford's daughter also, they mentioned. Bradley oh. Whitford's character. But, yeah, she, um, and then it turns out she ends up getting engaged to another guy. Uh-huh. But now it's like, there's still a chance. There's a chance for Andrew to intervene. He can ruin this, this generation. Because now. now Andrew looks like a regular guy. Yeah. You know? He looks like, which, well, he looks like Robin Williams. Which, which, which is the only futuristic thing that that movie, like, I think exposed that girls would be riding, you know, uh, 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 robotic dildos. And they are there <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That was yeah, we just just, just make make a make a robotic dildo recite a Robin Williams stand up routine yeah. as it does it, and it'll be the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, you get a best one? You get num 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 like, like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I hey, mean, so, hey, so guy over here. Because you, you know. can buy the whole body. <laughs> you know that, right? But the no, body doesn't move. Yeah, you can buy people that like create those like. Oddly enough, also, I haven't been caught up to date on sex machines. Uh, it's not. Well, it's not even a machine now. per se. It's more like uh, silicone. You know, those silicone. They make them like from like real. They feel like real people. It's pretty much they ship you a dead body. Okay. And they're like, you can fuck it, and it's Wait, okay. it's a dead body. No, it's <laughs> it's very close to it. It's like height and weight and girth of an actual person, but it's a dead person. Okay. With a if it's a, if you buy a dude. So it's like a sex doll. It's a, sorry. So yeah, it is a sex doll. It was on Vice. Uh, it was a video on Vice. This girl went to investigate. Uh, <laughs> like okay, what a reporter you are. She went to investigate those like naked, and she goes to this guy, and it's it's a work of art because they're making actual humans. Yeah. Uh, uh, like look-alike dolls, and wow. you can buy a dude who's you know five foot something or six foot something or seven foot something, with however long penis you wanted to have, and he mm. can be ripped, he can be dead bod, he can be, and they'll send that to you, and you'll have like a body like that you can just like, so. 
You wow. Know? Yeah, Incel yeah. culture then, is getting a little out of control. Well, I know. I mean, and then you can have a female too. You can ship a female. You can, you can, yeah. you can have the female look like an elf. You know, some people are into elves and stuff like that. Sure. What, so, when are they going to start licensing celebrity likenesses? Is it going to be the thing? Like to have sex with like so, a famous. Well, actor the whole thing now is they're going to have like sex robot uh, market. So you wow. can like instead of like the Red District in Amsterdam, yeah, where like you know these women are literally being exploited and. Um, Trafficking. I like how people talk about like trafficking, but then they go look at traffic through the windows. I'm like, look at these girls, you know, like, like, <laughs> like the, you know that they're having. I, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not connecting here. I don't quite. I'm like, because uh, people always act like oh, they're on the right side of history. They go yeah. like, yeah, we gotta stop human trafficking. Then they go to Amsterdam and they walk past the trafficking windows. Right. Okay. They're like, oh, look at these girls, huh? Like, yeah, that's the trafficking. Right. If you have the balls, go in there and fight the pimp and get the girl out, you know? Yeah. Unless the girl goes like... Turn into Liam Neeson right now. Yeah. <laughs> Unless the girl goes like, hey, this is actually an independent artist. So I'm like, then, yeah, but we all know that they're not. Sure. And everybody acts like going to Amsterdam isn't you. Um, whatever, you know, this is something that I like to point out to people. Ah, like, oh, you got to stop trafficking. I'm like, we, if you could, yeah, let's do it, but... Yeah. There's a whole window on a street, red light so district. It's know? very possible that these, these realistic so sex to, dolls could yeah, put an end to the draft. Also, it can reduce STDs. So have oh, a sure. sex doll that you can, like, you know, fuck As long as you don't share the sex doll with other people. No, you can. It'll re- well, I mean, you can, but... It'll be th- able to kill the viruses. Oh. It's this ultra UV light vagina that oh. once you're done in it, it will clean itself out. It will be, like, all clean again, and then somebody else can come and, like, now it's my turn with that doll, which... I honestly think if they get that like that like good, I think just invest and buy a doll because now it's like rent the car kind of thing. Like I, yeah. I can't invest in a whole doll. I can just rent it. Yeah. You know. So um, that's what that's what they want to do. They they want like traffic. Um, not traffic. I keep saying that, but they want to like substitute in the future. Yeah. Uh, which you know maybe maybe that could work. I guess the, the human part maybe maybe dudes won't be as awkward. You know. <laughs> you, dudes will be less awkward yeah, when like, they have sex with human-like dolls. Is yeah, that like they don't have to like worry about like. I think they'd be a little more awkward. Like if okay. it's small or big down there, or like they got with it. Like they're like <laughs> the robot is not gonna be like, ah 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 ah. You have a small penis. They don't. Do oh, that. sure. Yeah, yeah. They well, should though. Unless you have your Robin Williams yeah, Centennial yeah. Man robot. <laughs> That, like, unlike all the robots, ooh, this one's an anomaly. This one has the ability to judge penis size. If you grab the feet, you know, if, it'd be funny if you grab one of them and does the R-E-S-P-E-C-E. <laughs> like, that's the same. And like, oh, wow, okay. Oh, this one's a special, mo- this one, this one's a fluke. This one, this one has the power to not be satisfied as <laughs> which, a robot. Which, by the way, when he meets that girl, I think he likes her, yeah. the robot. And then when he turns her off inside the lab. Yeah. He kind of gets heartbroken a little bit, I feel. Because he realizes she's not uh, special like she's him. She's not special she like him. She was just him. given a personality shit. And that's, I think, when he starts to realize he's the only one. Yeah. And he goes like, well, if I can't get that, like, robot uh, Punani, I got to <laughs> move to the... I got to make him... Because yeah, I also... Think I have that, to be... I, so I can't find one on my side. I got to become the other side. I got to yeah. become a human. You know? Which is... Uh, yeah. And so he had to like, become human, and then he had to also kind of... I think the moral there's also a morality behind the woman like having sex with the with the with the yeah they don't get know. into that much but right. they they can kind of they kind of make it seem like she kept it on the low low right and then you think you wouldn't tell many people did they have babies no okay that I mean, that Oliver Platt never develops that ability yeah the, the to sperm have, like to have like reproductive that would be crazy because I'm like he needs to be like um, but 
So they do that, yeah, yeah. And then, so he goes in front of court twice, remember? Yes, yeah. First twice time they total. reject him. The second time it's pending, and they come to the oh. ruling as he's dying, as he's finally, as it's his 200th birthday, and he's turning 200 and he's, he's on dying. The bed, like, he's on the bed, they mm. die next to each other. And the, what, the, the RESPCT robot, who now looks like a regular woman as well, because she was given like an outer layer of skin, she ends up unplugging uh, little, little Miss's granddaughter because she mm. asks to be unplugged now that, now that... What a callback. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the... It's like, wow, it's like... The whole movie's about humanity and like, can this robot be human? And then at the very end of the movie, you have a human being asking to be unplugged, like a robot, like a machine. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know? That's, here we go. Wow. I didn't think about that. No. Yeah, yeah, euthanasia. Yeah. Is it any yeah, different yeah. than unplugging your phone? No, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. Well, this is like, yeah, it's, um, yeah, and I think that's why that movie kind of like resonates with me because I have a pending case as well and I've been uh, fighting the, the cause that I am also like a human and I deserve to travel and fly and all that shit. And so that's why I think it's always been my favorite because I grew older and it seemed more like uh, it was uh, almost like... Um, have you thought that while filling out papers? Like this is, this is like Bicentennial Oh, from man? years ago. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. always felt that... I always feel sometimes uh, life kind of sets you up for future endeavors by setting up in situations where you see certain things. And so when I watched that movie as a kid and seeing how he's trying to be accepted and how he's trying to like whatever and he can whatever and how long it takes him to find like the perfect girl and then trying to be just like a... And then now I'm in this position. I'm like, oh, this made... This connects the dots in my head why this movie also rang through. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, certain things you can read and stuff that can like connect more. Like um, the, the Alchemist, that's a book I read once. Sure. Through a recommendation of another friend. He goes like, read this book, I think you'll li- vibe with it. Yeah. Based on like, he's a traveler too. And the shit. Alchemist. How old were you when you read that? Oh, that was only in when I was like 26 oh. or something. Okay. No, no, no. So I was, so there was a moment in time where I was working for cash. Yeah. No, I wasn't trafficking. I was just working for cash. You know, and, I have, and I have papers on me, whatever. And um, which was only up to like a certain point only of last year that I kind of like started working like properly. But that was the first time I kind of like, you know, um, I had to go from homeless almost. Like mm. I was couch surfing for a long time. I slept mm. in this crazy lady's uh, farm for a while too. And she kicked me out. And I oh. used to, yeah, I used to, she was at hold somewhere. And I was like, she's like, if you take care of my plants, you can stay here for free. Wow. And I remember I used to take care of her father. He was like an old dude. I was watching the Olympics in 20... It was 20... The 24... 2016 Olympics in, in, in Britain. And we used to watch the games with him. And that was a random thing I did in my life. And so eventually I found um, a guy in Lansing, an old Ukrainian man with his Chinese wife. <laughs> and I miss him. I, I forgot. Uh, I should probably hit him up. His name is Victor. Victor and... and uh, Shexing. Yeah. And Shexing was in her 60s and he was in his 80s. Uh, but she takes care of him and, you know, he's so sweet and he's like this old man, just talks all day. Uh, uh, so when I called him from Craigslist ad and I was like, look, I'm I'm, 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 a, I'm an asylum case, like I'm seeking asylum and uh, I, I really, you know, would like to stay over. I just don't know. I can't sign a lease. I don't have papers. I can just like pay you. He's like, yeah, come on in. And uh, he made me like stay in the room for three hundred bucks a month. Wow! In Lansing, so I was staying in that room for three hundred bucks a month. 
my roommate was a Vietnamese guy who was working third shift. We would bump into each other once in a while. And then we kind of got like good report, reports and, and he would even give me burgers from his work. He's like, hey, you want a burger? <laughs> I'm not going to eat burger, but it's for you. I got, he would like get it for me. He would like, he'd be at work and he would like save it for me. And oh. I was like, yeah, he's a sweet guy, you know. I mean, aside from the racist um, impressions that I do, but <laughs> I, lo- I love people. And, and that was uh, like, that was, you know, in the moments where I was alone, my parents, I haven't seen my parents in four years at the time. And that movie rang the most true. Sure. Is I couldn't leave. I couldn't do whatever. And then that's when I read The Alchemist. Yeah. About this guy who went through some hardships in the sub-Saharan desert, which I'm like, I think the biggest problem was him being in the sub-Saharan desert. But that was a good yeah. book to read then. Well, and they're both they're both odysseys of like kind of because you've read the book, right? Yeah, 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 a long time ago. It's like and it's accurate also. By the way, it's ac- the Arabic stuff is accurate in the book. Sure. So okay. the definitions and the Muslim things that he refers to in the book, he's done his research as an author. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. I'm, I was like, I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty okay. Well, and maybe is this something that you relate to, and something that I even kind of relate to a little bit because I've I moved around most of my life so far, mm-hmm. uh, where. You know, you have different prominent people in your life at different points. There's no, there are very few people that are like a through line throughout your entire life, except maybe your family. Yeah. Where, but even though there are long stretches where you're not with your family, and there's other people that are at that point in time the most important people in your everyday life. And you finally, you end the journey with a totally different group of people you started with, but you you still carry with you the things that you learn from everybody you knew before you know from those relationships it's like the whole last 10 years i have a group of friends that call the sketch we call ourselves the sketchies yeah and it's a bunch of arab guys and we ate like eight of us and now we have like a few couple guys left a few in detroit and one guy i saw yesterday um uh, with another friend who's a recent sketchy but he's polish um uh but i went to his house he's the the baby i showed you yeah that's his that's that's his dad is my friend omar and so these are the group of guys that I've known for nine years when we were all just freshmen. We have pictures of each other like looking like babies Yeah. back in the day. So yeah, this this group, but everybody kind of moves on. But we still very, we all talk to each other on WhatsApp and stuff. But these yeah. were people that I used to see on a daily basis and before my parents. And, and you miss the, do you miss them a little bit? Oh yeah, I miss yeah. everybody. I miss yeah. like, you know, I, I, I miss you guys too. It's, uh, I actually have pictures of almost a lot of people. I have even sets. I have a set of you. Um, oh, on really? my phone uh, from when you were at um, Louis, no way trophy house. I had recorded you. Oh wow! I was testing. I was testing my phone, but I wanted to test it on somebody that I want to watch later. So I just like put the phone on it and I just like recorded you. Wow! And you were trying some new jokes that you've tried before. I remember, and then you kind of went up and you did them. I'm sure there are a couple new ones, and it's like the only time I've ever done them. <laughs> but <laughs> you had the same like yeah, you have like a like a good like you have a good voice for trying new jokes too. Like, oh, you, thank you. I think even if they don't go well, they don't go bad either. You have that, like, leverage you can keep to yourself that you can have, like, rest assured that even if you say something that doesn't, isn't funny, but it doesn't go bad. You don't, I don't think you ever lose a crowd. Okay, you thank know? you. I think they can hear your voice and they go like, he's smarter than me. I got a, <laughs> <laughs> that deep radio voice. I think it's fine if it doesn't make me laugh every time. So yeah. Well, the podcast has given me practice too. Yeah, Speaking yeah. of radio voices. I think the podcast just, like, works on your strengths a lot sure. like like uh oh yeah i mean this is just uh, i'm not gonna bullshit you and be like yeah go out there and just say a bunch of jokes <laughs> about you know nazi germany with your voice and yeah. but i think generally if you do a joke and it doesn't go as well because you're trying it it doesn't yeah. go bad either it goes just normal um do, do you feel 
because this is something I think about a lot, like having moved a lot, is like, I used to get really sad when I would move. Every time I would move. Because it would be like, yeah. especially when you're a little kid, you're just like, I yeah. have to get good friends part. again. Mm-hmm. And you miss people. And I miss so many people. Like some of my, be- my best friend of all time is this guy, Pierre Walker, who like I haven't seen in a couple years now. You know, it's mm. just like we, because you just, um, you know, he lives in London now. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, but then it's like I, I, it's such a privilege to miss people. And that's such, that's the most like human thing. And most people don't have that ability to miss people. Most people are in a situation where they like can't wait to get away from the people they're around. And it's like to realize that you miss somebody gives you such like a wonderful perspective on your relationship with that person. Yeah. Well, I had a whole dilemma with like my parents. I prayed so hard when I was in the house and stuff with that Vietnamese guy and the and the good people I used to like I, I didn't have a license and stuff so I used to take like two buses to go to work and I used to like it takes me longer to go to work than to work you know yeah. and I would go to the gym and then walk from the gym up and whatever so sometimes all that physical exhaustion would mentally get to you and I think like on the way walking back from like Grand River to Shiawasi which was that neighborhood once you hit Shiawasi a little bit the, 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 the early part the Easter part of it it's a little rough yeah. It's not the worst there, in the world, of course, but like you know, the, there was a crack house next to me. And there was a bunch of gangsters and thugs, not gangsters, thugs. <laughs> and one of them stole my bike. Yeah, I remember I tried to st- stand up to him, but you know, he came to my face like this, and I, I gotta admit, I felt like uh, I felt very weak. Sure. Because I didn't know what he could do, and he was like a tall dude. And it's not the fact that he was a black guy, but that doesn't really bother me. That's I, I grew up like you know in in Arab black neighborhoods, so that sure. like his. You know, like some people, honestly, some people are afraid because... Well, you didn't grow up with the sort of... uh, But I just felt that he was unpredictable. I I couldn't, like, he came up to me because in the beginning he was apologetic. Yeah. I'm like, he's like, no, I don't have you. I'm like, you have my bike. You you, you took my bike. He wanted me to get some money for him. Like an idiot, I left my bike out. I'm like, give me a second. I put the bike on the side instead of, like, tying it. My brain was like, tie it. And he was like, no, don't offend him. Like, you're gonna... I should have offended him to tie the bike. But I came back to give him money. And he uh, just went left. There's no bike. And I was like, hey, man, he, he just went next door. <laughs> my fucking bike, bro. You don't have your bike. And this other guy showed up, too. And this other guy started, like, amping me up. He was like, yeah, where is the bike? And they became like, and then he was backing up. And then he just went forward towards me. Yeah. He's like, what, you, you know, you better back the fuck off or whatever. And then I was like, I just stood looking at him. And the next thing I know... Just kind of stood. He went to the back, and next thing I know, he's like riding the bicycle, and I ran after him again, but he biked away. Huh. And yeah. he kept seeing me for weeks after that. Every other day, he would see me, and then he would, uh, and like I'd be on my yard just sitting. Well, you know, the, the, the guy's yard, but I'd be sitting there, and he'd be like, Yo, what's up? And I won't respond. And he's like, Yo, what's up? Like, he's trying to like, assert dominance. And at some point, I tell him, like, I, I ain't going to talk to you. You know that, right? And yeah. then and then I met, I went to a smoke shop, and I was upset. I'm like, man, I'm being punked. Like, and the only issue I have is in America, you don't know who has a gun. Yeah. It's not a problem getting, like, beat, but you don't know if they can stab you. People, because in the Middle East, you, you'll fight and you get out of it alive. You just get, like, hurt. And you can see who has a gun. Because murder isn't, like, that easy to commit in the Middle East. And here, it's, so people really just murder all the time. It's yeah. kind of un- un- unnerving. So I went to a smoke shop and I met this dude, this older black gentleman who's a professor. I don't want to say where, but he told me that go to the lady. There's like a pimp lady. He said go to her and tell her, 
and he has a nickname, which I'm, I'm not going to say, I don't know like how this guy is serious. He goes like, tell her that and tell them to stop, mm. please. I'm like, but they don't know who you are. They're like, just tell them that. Yeah. Like he's an old gangster that apparently they all know him. <laughs> and it's like a movie. He goes he's like, like the kind of guy who calls them young blood. Yeah. Those guys. But yeah. he, was, he was telling me, he's like, she would know who I am oh, if you wow. just let her know. Just tell her that. Yeah. And if nothing works, you can come meet me here again in this coffee shop. <laughs> in a week's time, I'll be here. Wow. So I went and said that to her and then never heard that again. Never heard wow. that guy never bothered me again. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's something interesting in that story, how you talked about how like you didn't have, you didn't have connotations associated with black men the way that a lot of Americans do. Because it wasn't there. It was just the fact that he was just... Uh, right. So it's because it's like here there's this like, especially, you know, if you're raised upper middle class, there's this villainization of, the, of black men in the media. Mm-hmm. And Aggressive. And, you know, and obviously there's a version of that for black women as well. But um, there's, you know, I, I think about how, and not to sound corny, but I relate you, you yeah. a little bit to Robin Williams in this movie the, the, uh. of, of that... You, because you don't quite have the connotations that just are like underlying in society that we all just like have integrated into our culture and just how like it's this unspoken thing. Nobody goes around saying I'm afraid of black people, but there's like <laughs> you'd be surprised. Well, yeah, maybe some people do, but there's the people who the majority had yeah. this internalized racism where they're like, oh, that guy's kind of scary. Yeah, they don't know how they're... That's going. the actual silent majority that they keep... Right, exactly. About. It's not Trump voters. It's just those racist people. We had a silent... I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure... Well, it's even, even Biden voters, you know? Even yeah, the, like yeah, that's yeah. A, the, yeah even like, the most liberal guys. I've met plenty of people who call themselves liberal and they might have some liberal beliefs, but there's still this internalized just like oh, fear oh, of the other, yeah. you know? Yeah, and so... Um, I mean, I... Yeah, so... I've taken... Yeah, I've taken a, a, my ex-wife... To uh, after a show in Detroit, we went to a Coney Island yeah. that had um, bulletproof glass around it. Really, but it was popping. Yeah. So it was me, her, my friend Lewis, who was around the comedy comedy scene for a little bit. He's a tall black guy, and he's a very like he's like a Will Smith kind of black guy. Like he's very charismatic. <laughs> Let's talk to everybody. You know, yo, what's yeah. up, girl? You look, look at fat ass. And I've I've known him for years, and we were coworkers. You know, so. And then a third person was, and then some of the comedy. And we went there, and I remember that she was, even though she was half Arab, but she was very like, she was lived in, she grew up in Williamston, very suburban, upper, a little bit like, you know, very white. Yeah. Even though she looked beige and looked Latino, but inside, it's, but in the inside, she was very, so the whole time she was uncomfortable. Like she was like grabbing me, she's like, come on, let's order quick. I'm like, what are you, the glass here, the glass here is bulletproof. I'm like, yeah, so what? Like, there must have been something that happened. I'm like, yeah, but you know what? You can look around and realize that there's a party bus right here. Yeah. You know? And, and it's like, when bad people don't shoot masses. They just like, if somebody comes in with a gun, it's like, if I don't know him, it's not my problem. He's shooting somebody else. Like, I'm not too worried. <laughs> like, yo, where's Darrell? I'm like, oh, I'm not Darrell. I can just keep eating my <laughs> corned beef. He's not looking for If an me. angry guy comes in with a gun, I'm going to be more scared if I do know him. Yeah, you I'd know, be like, so oh, what's the last thing I said to this guy? <laughs> like, does he, he have just a walks in. I'm like, I'm, most people have a problem with the people behind the register. Sure. That's why the bulletproof glass is for them. Yeah. Anybody, I'm just eating. And, and so that bothered me about that person is that she thought that because 
there's bulletproof and maybe it's a rougher area that any moment can break up. I'm like, no, no, it probably has happened before. I'm probably more like a, you know, like a, like a, like a procedural thing, like just in case somebody comes through. But this is a popping spot. It's a Coney Island. It's called Grandy's Coney Island. In, in phenomenal food. Okay. The cake is great. They have some mama's food there. I like that a lot. Yeah. And so that bothered me about it. Like she thought that this is just a dangerous situation to be. I'm like, it's not dangerous at all. You can be, you're fine. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen to you as a girl, someone can hit on you. But even yeah. then, they ain't gonna... You know, even like, you're still in a popping spot. Just because somebody is poor doesn't mean that somebody is dangerous. Right. That right. is such a distinction. People think because somebody is poor, they're dangerous. No, a dangerous person can be dangerous, poor or rich. Yeah. It's just an evil guy. But poor people just right. look poor, so they look a little bit, you know. Yeah. Well, here's a question. Do you think there's a more? Do you think there's an alternate version of bicentennial man that could exist? That's about, like maybe a working class family that the biggest investment they've ever made is they were able to get the new robot, you know? Yeah. Or they won him in a sweepstakes thing or something. Uh-huh. So it's like the perspective he learns is that of a working class person and not an upper class person who has their own library with a fireplace and all this stuff. <laughs> like, like it's like, because instead you have Sam Neill who's very well read and he knows all this, yeah. you know, I don't know if they mention what he does, but he seems like a professor or something. I think like, so, yeah. Like if you had Robin Williams learning from... From middle a, class family, working class a middle, family, a working class family, maybe even an urban family, you know, what have you. Just but like a, a a family that, you know, doesn't have that perspective. Maybe isn't well read on the level of Sam Neill, but still knows a lot about the world because of how they're forced to interact with it. You know, there's if this movie was ever remade, that might be an interesting direction. Yeah, to they need to. Uh, yeah, it would be. Yeah, and I think now with the world being more advanced, you can play it as if it's twenty twenty five. Yeah, you ain't gonna go that far in the future. And then you can maybe cut the movie a little shorter. Yeah. You know, skip all that, like, living on the beach kind of thing. You can just, like, <laughs> skip all that, I think, and just move on to, like, when the dad kind of dies and then he just wants to go on. And, and you can thing. focus the movie. You don't necessarily... Yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to be... He ha- You don't need to have him learning how to have sex at the end, as funny as that is. You know, like, you can, you can kind of... It I can feel be like more social movie, You can have one or two big themes and focus the movie around that. Well, I think the biggest thing is, like, if he can feel justice. Yeah. Because there's humans that don't feel that. Right. So if this robot can emphasize with people that are like... Because ultimately the movie's about civil rights. Yeah. The movie's about him trying to get the equality as human beings. It, it would be know? a funny thing, though, if this robot just consumes all this, like, American history literature. And then next thing you know, he starts, like, talking about, like, you know... Like, it'd be funny if this robot thinks it's good to re-talk, like, re-say the Martin Luther King speech. <laughs> be a moment of truth like yeah my you know I dream that you know my I can't picture anything that would age worse than this movie from 1999 where a robot gains equality at the end and gives a Martin Luther King speech and like 2021 we're still we're still mad about black people getting killed from cops and it's like but but the robot yeah 22 years ago it'd be funny if he does it on like a random like they're just sitting in a diner yeah and somebody doesn't pay like right or is like rude <laughs> and he just goes into this MLK and people are like no 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 you don't have to you don't have to give a speech like this every time like no Mr. Mr. Robot what was it, the robot name Andrew 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 yeah. Andy you don't have to like Andy you don't do that no this is just a diner yeah he's like well I thought you have to be righteous all the time he's like yeah but you can you know you can solve things you know you know like they didn't teach him the social construct and right right and, and, and 
yeah, I don't know. And maybe, you know, because, like, uh, other robot movies show your robots taking over. Right. Like, Rob- what's his name, that one with Will Smith? iRobot. iRobot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. T- Terrible for robot. Terrible for <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You, you have to robot shoot them, representation. You got to shoot them in the head. Yeah. Terminator. Them. Rough, rough... Uh, was great though Terminator. Terminator was Terminator's an, an awesome. amazing. You know, I think uh, he should have won an Oscar. Yeah. Well, you know what I think is a kind of a run up for this movie a little bit is Blade Runner because that movie dealt a whole lot with the, what what it means to be a human and and that Never these that one. the androids the replicants in that movie. It's about them like if they're able to have these human emotions, what really separates them from human beings? You know, mm-hmm. if they have, and that's one thing is like yeah, you can laugh at the fact that this. The last third of this movie is Robin Williams trying to learn how to have sex with a woman. But also, like, you can't deny that that's an incredible part of the human condition, is just the desire to have sex. Yeah, it's Not for reproductive purposes. No, no, he just, just likes her cheeks, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I want to I put something in that face, huh? Right. <laughs> and and I, guess, I guess it's not just, a, obviously, it's not just a human thing. Every single organism wants to reproduce. But yeah, like, and they're more successful than us. Yeah, yeah, like, like the. Yeah. I think, I think, I think. You know, uh, you know. Yeah, the, 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 fe- the females of other populations are more accepting. You know, they're like, yeah, it's, it's, if you can dance better than all these other fucks, you can, you can have me. You know, like, okay, well, all these like peacocks are like moving around. <laughs> <laughs> Here it's like you can be on your. I've been on days where I've done the best material I could, and I still didn't get like a hug. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. whatever. You ever just like I've Win been some s- lose some. Social situations where, like, a girl will think some guy who's not a comic is funnier. I'm like, his timing is way off. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's like his your tag girl. sucks. I'm like, he t- I'm just like, <laughs> like that was hacky, man. You what's the his- premise here? I don't even understand. Like, well, know. sometimes it's a whole group of people. Yeah, like yeah. Every, they all laugh at silly jokes, and you're right. like, "Yo, my intricate shit ain't gonna work. I gotta dumb yeah. it down for these people," you know. Right. And I'm like looking at my moleskin. I'm like, none of this is good. this is gonna go over their heads. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like well, also like, I think my joke demeanor in real life is the same as it is on stage. Sure. Yeah. I just agree. irony and you yeah. know, just straight face. I say stuff. And I think you're people. quite the same person on stage as you are off stage. Yeah, I and I take pride in that because yeah. I've seen comics that are way off, and I'm like. Yeah. You can work on your style delivery, but I think you gotta be honest. I think that's what makes people successful. I feel like I don't. I feel like I get more awkward on stage. Like I think I'm more awkward on stage than I am as a person. I don't know if you. But you're very honest with yourself, though. It's it's still you. I never look at John like, okay, this is one of Johnny's characters on stage. (laughs) No, you're very. uh, I think you're just. um, I'm also like. I think just a little nerves. Sure. It doesn't show, but because I know you, I know that sometimes there's nerves or whatever, but. No, I think you're very. Uh, in fact, it's cool that you keep it composed when you speak on stage. Like oh, you know, sure. you still kind of take your time with the setup on the punchline. I would have like ran through them a little quicker. Sure. No, no, you're you're very natural. Like there's very... this there's this nervous thing. It's like if you go too long without them laughing, you're like maybe if I get to the punchline now, yeah, then they'll laugh sooner and it'll be okay and I'll get that relief. But then if you rush to the punchline, they're not gonna laugh at no it. context. For so them. then it's like I didn't even. In the end, everybody screwed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I, now I'm even in deeper shit, and now uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I feel that too. Speak, like, speaking of uh, this movie being about a robot that wants to have sex, I, I, I pulled up, I, I went on uh, Letterboxd, and I pulled up a half-star review for Bicentennial Man. Uh-huh. Uh, half a star out of five, and I wanted to read it out loud. Just so so half a star is pretty much somebody... It's uh, the lowest uh, possible rating you can give Yeah, me. but half a star is one out of five. One so, out of ten. Uh, it's 
Oh, half a star out of five. One out of ten. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. One, out of, yeah. So this is basically like ten, like ten percent out of a hundred, like ten percent. Yes. Yeah. They give yeah, the movie. Just but to also see, like, on Letterbox, it's the lowest rating you can give something. Yeah, yeah. So. Just to make it like a grade. So right. okay. So it could be a zero as well. Yeah, might know. as well. Like just wrote the name right on that exam. Right. <laughs> right. So. They said, I didn't expect a movie about a robot trying to fuck to be so schmaltzy and terribly and utterly hack-dragging nonsense, and yet here we are. Uh, now I've seen my fair share of movies about robots trying to fuck, and I'll defend some of them, even the goopy milky ones like 964 Pinocchio, but this is beyond defensible. <laughs> Somehow, even James Horner seems to be yawning his way through this. The only thing I hate more than forced sentimentality is shitty, poorly executed forced sentimentality. And in my personal sentiments, this whole movie should fuck off for 200 years. Maybe longer. Maybe when 2,221 shows up, it can enter the disciplined vortex of the nether cinema and fucking die. I think I just, I really loved how angry this review is. I Very just, well put together. Like, yeah. this dude is, like, using, I'm not halfway through, I mean, I don't even know what he's mad about anymore, but, like... It's quite a piece when of was this? When was this, uh... This was written August 6, 2020, sorry, April 6, 2021, so just earlier yeah. this year. So this is, what's his name? So we can put him on black? Uh, <laughs> D- D- Daniel is the, I think, does he look young? Is there a picture of him? Does he look young? Um, he looks like, uh, he looks like he's maybe 30. Oh wow! It looks like a looks like a really not to dox you, Daniel. You seem like a nice guy. I mean, I mean, he would not be listening to this. I feel like Daniel does not listen to anybody's opinion. Speaking of he, one of his favorite movies on Letterbox is Blade Runner. So oh wow, okay. Maybe maybe he just has a maybe. So he has a he's he really into robots. He then. likes movies about robots having sex. I think he <laughs> I think he has a, a a sex doll in his house. If I'm gonna bet on somebody <laughs> fucking a robot, is this guy because he got mad. <laughs> I think he's mad that the robot is having more sex than he is. And I'm like, right. eh, it's whatever. Is there any other reviews like below that's like also one star? Oh, yeah, like yeah. a shorter one, like where just somebody's just like, ah, uh, just a quick like restaurant review. Star. Half a star review. The way this essentially is the B movie, but with a robot wanting to fuck a woman, this is too long. And if I wanted to see a robot on woman action, I'd find it on X videos. <laughs> okay. We know that this guy still watches. I wouldn't recommend X videos because they always get you into a sub like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't have the sentimentality of Bicentennial Man. And, like, no. I can admit, this no, movie... As a website, X-Video is not, not that good. Sure. Man. It's just, you know, it yeah. always opens a different tab. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, and you're not going to have a James Horner score on yeah, X-Videos. Yeah. There's not much, like, you know, I think Stick to Pornhub, you might like the... I don't know, but what's the top ones? Like, what are the people that really love it? Like, five? Oh, or, really? Okay. Um, what's the other... Um, all right, let's see. Five see. Um, good as Five stars. Oh. Good as fuck, long as fuck, Rob, Robin Williams as fuck. There's a lot of F-bombs in these. Yeah, these are the true fans that you need. Five stars, brings the waterworks every time. Ugh. Uh, I guess, you know, they cry. Yeah. Do it, you cry at this movie? Um, Is emotional? So crying for me is a little harder. Sure. I've been crying more now as an older guy, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the time, no, but I felt sad. Mm. I was genuinely sad the fact that the father in the movie is aging. Yeah, I figured that out as a kid that he is about to die soon, and it makes and you think about like man, your parents. My parents are gonna. Yes, die. yes. Everybody I know is I mean, gonna you die. Can guarantee, you cannot guarantee that you, you know they're gonna go before you, but that's the notion in life. Right. And so, it bothered me a hundred percent. I think I couldn't look at my mom like a regular person for a while. I'm like, you just gotta like, I will never get married because that's the aging. Point right. for you, yeah. Well, especially since <laughs> Sam Neill in the movie is such a comforting presence, and, uh-huh. and yeah. he's a father Sweet figure, guy. and he's a father figure to Andrew, 
And so you just think about, yeah, just being the fact that you have to lose that person and continue life without that. Does guy he react to his loss in the movie? He does because he asks, uh, as Samuel's on his deathbed, he asks for Andrew to come see him. Yeah. And so they have a, a final moment that's kind of sweet as he's dying. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, yeah, but so he can't shed tears, right? Is that what bothers him too? The fact that he can't shed tears? Yeah, he can't shed tears. Later in the movie, he is able to shed tears. Yeah, yeah, but uh, that was also... Yeah. That's why I think like that guy with the review, the one-star review, I think is missing a lot of the points. Sure, yeah. the movie is long, but also it's only two hours and 12 minutes. I just looked at it. It's two hours and 12 minutes. Like, honestly, man, The Irishman was three and right. a half hours. Three and a half hours. And it was stretched out by all means, you know, <laughs> using uh, the deep fake or something to make... That guy <laughs> looked. What is that like to make him look younger? They made this. They made like, yeah, like what's that De Niro. They they used they didn't use deep fakes for that one. They yeah, actually yeah, know, but they used something. They they just technology. used like digital makeup to kind of get rid of his wrinkles and stuff. And like his that. body too. They made sure like he looked a little slimmer. But somebody yeah. commented on something. I couldn't get over it. Now is the fact that his he still moves like an old. Yeah, when he throws, which I didn't even think about. Like who yeah. looks at movies like that? Like just watch the movie and forget. Yeah. We all know he's old. I thought about that. Did you ever see Captain Marvel? No, because Samuel Jackson in that he's playing young Nick Fury, so they de-age Sam Jackson because he's in like his seventies in real yeah. life, and in the movie he's supposed to be like forty. And Ooh. there's a part where he's like bending down to pet a cat, and he looks good, like he looks young, but he's petting this cat, and then when he gets up, he's like, <laughs> and you're just like, oh yeah, that's that's a seventy-five year old man. That's 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 yeah, that's God right there, just being old, you know. Yeah, I have one last uh, five-star review that yeah. this actually is a pretty good one. Um, uh, if you're a fan of this movie, this probably sums up how you feel. I believe this is one of the best films of its decade, asking important questions about freedom, choice, and what makes someone human. Mm -hmm. so. That's what you should come out with it. If you, yeah, I think some movies, people see it as um, they, they miss the message and they look at the you know, production part, which I get it, but if the message is way stronger than the, like, yeah. you know, you should, you know. And I think the movie was good. It was shot really well. It doesn't seem like... Um, for 1999, I'll watch it today and be like, yeah. And now, if you watch it now, it's got that, like, uh, rustic uh, cinematic uh, uh, records. Yeah. It's a little more yellowish kind of thing. Like, it's not sure. sharp in its colors. Yeah. You know? Like, it's, it's I don't know. It's not, That's yeah, it's, it's not incredibly, like, I can see a version of this movie that maybe looks more bombastic, yeah. like, visually, you know? And the movie's got a pretty standard, you know, late 90s, early 2000s kind of look. It's not trying yeah. to be overly ambitious. And that's one thing that I realize, especially with the futuristic stuff. I could see a director now trying to lean into the futuristic world. Mm. But I actually appreciate that the movie is like, no, this is just a story about this robot. The futuristic world is tangential. You know, it's, yeah, at the end of the movie, you're like, holy shit, there's, the a, there's a world stuff. council, there's flying cars, and we barely see them. Because that's mm. not what the movie's about. It's not the important part. So yeah. We'll get there when we get there, but the important part is this guy becoming a human. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, but as long as how long it's taking him to get to get his world citizenship is how long it's taking me right now to get mine. So that's, uh, I'm going to stand in front of a world council. <laughs> I, have, I probably have to look up his speech and just repeat that shit. Hopefully you don't die the moment they're granted for <laughs> you to. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like 70 years old and you know, I'm like, yeah, well, too late now. Because <laughs> the difference between him and I is that he got to travel. Yeah, and I'm not allowed to travel. I can't really go into countries and go out. And I would love to see that. I'm, when people go like, oh, I'm a, I love to travel. I love to travel for different things. I really want to meet people. Yeah, I, it's not about this. That well, I'm not gonna go to Italy and see the Colosseum. Yeah, I go see it, but I want to go talk to somebody in the market. I wanna, I wanna see the, the Italian guy, the young dude, the old guy. I wanna go to like you know South America. Right. 
one of the best places I would like to go to is Brazil and stuff. I'll say this, you have significantly better comedic timing than he did, so that helps with, you out. With the, oh, the, the robot? The, the yeah, robot I, yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> I, I like to believe that I, I, I stop a little bit more. Yeah. I was as fast when I first started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you, how long do you think it took to become the comic that you are? I'm still working on it, though. But right. I, but it was after we got quarantined and I opened Instagram for my comedy only. I never had Instagram. And I opened it just for comedy. Yeah. And uh, I had to transcribe my jokes. Oh, okay. So I had to subtitle them. Huh. And I'm like, man, I'm not giving myself a single moment to breathe. Like, I'm mm. anxious to go on the next. So when I saw that and I saw the milliseconds that I'm not even getting myself, I decided to simmer in a little bit more and, you know, whatever. So I slowed it down as much as I could. helped me with my enunciations. Mm-hmm. and the best shows is the shows that I'm also well rested if I come from a long shift and I've worked and I've been like tired I don't speak well Yeah. so that fucks with me but if I'm everything falls in place I gotta slow it down but I slowed it down so much then when I went to New York and performed and th- just on two shows I learned immediately that I gotta pick up the speed a little bit more Yeah. they, they don't mind you stopping in between jokes but they like it if you're a little bit punchier Yeah. so that's when I kind of also wanted to develop like I have the same four minute for a new four-minute opener that I start, which is like, oh, one-liner is me you know, being engineer and I work as a refugee now. Yeah. And mom, mom, Syrian dad, Palestinian brother is persecuted. Yeah. And I just set up this like one tak 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 one after the other, you know. And yeah. And then the, that was based on just me like, I'm like, I think this will work better on any crowd, but particularly in New York, it's like. Right. So they can get my cadence. Well, because in New York, you got, I mean, think about the most famous comics from New York, right? You have somebody like Jerry Seinfeld, and it's like, hey, we're all white guys from New York, so I don't have anything new to offer. So, like, hey, what's the deal with doorknobs? You know? Yeah. Like, we all use those. This is my biggest issue right now, is doorknobs. That's <laughs> what I have an issue with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there's actually, if you go to New York, there's a lot of other kind of comics. Yeah. I think now we're in this parallel world where, like, there's a bit of everything. The white comics are actually almost a minority and you see I've seen all these shows all these shows have as many women on them yeah which I don't I never looked at women as minorities I really believe that when you're 50% of the fucking I think there's more women in the country actually it's (laughs) like 55% there's more women in the world I think (laughs) I think women are like 51% to 49% or something or something like this so there's more women out there, but I, I know what they mean when they talk about their involvement in comedy, right. but I think that's... Well, and also comedy as an industry is still mostly managed by men, is the big but thing. But I think men, the, you know, like how the whole notion about women are not as funny as men, I don't right. believe that, right. but I think more men are uh, wired to be funny, so over the evolutionary years, I think we got a better sense of what's funny because we had to impress them. Yeah. The only reason I'm funny is so I can make you, the woman, laugh. Right. I'm I'm seeking your attention by me being very well versed in the art of humor. Yeah. And that's why sometimes women will say like, "Oh, you guys don't think we're funny." Like, you no, you can't. We're all human. We all can be funny. But I think the fact that you haven't been under this pressure to impress. Yeah. But now, I think as you know, the world is revolving, and there's all these hot dudes out there. Women are now feeling how we feel, which is the anxiety of talking to some of each other. So now right. they're developing those, yeah, like punchline skills, which I love. I I, yeah. I would love to have women who are like uh um um, um like a little harsher with the jokes, a little punchier with the thing. They sure. talk shit to you. Well, I think like if they think that that's something that I, I think if, as a guy, if there's if they face a dude who is intimidated by that, that's just an asshole guy. I right. think do you. 
And if you're funny, you are. I would love to have somebody around like that. And obviously, this isn't the formula for all comedy, but a lot of comedy comes from hardships and pain yeah. and whatnot. And so it's like, yeah, the people who experience a lot of hardship, hardships and pain, are not just white guys. <laughs> like it's no, you know, it's, it's like actually everybody, almost else. I I do believe yeah, that yeah. white guys are fucked over sometimes. Like there's some poor oh, white sure. guys. Of course, you know? I I've yeah. seen some of the worst. I'm like, oh, I would rather be a Syrian refugee. <laughs> <laughs> to be a white guy from like Muskegon or something like oh yeah, my god that's yeah. worse but because he's stuck in this bubble mentality you know right but you know I, I like it when like I like when I hear somebody else's experiences so if, right. if, if you're a mom yeah and you're on stage I want to hear about you like I would rather hear like this sarcastic mom who was like yeah I'm really happy my kids keep sucking on my tits all the time <laughs> like that's something that I would like I'm like hell yeah have you, you know? ever been on a show where like they bring up the first woman on the lineup. Maybe there's been four dudes in a row or something, and they bring up a woman, and you just hear the audience go like, like, like they're suddenly re-energized because they're like, oh, like thank you. It's like a drink of water. It's That's like there's there's something new. There's yeah. a woman, you know. And it's like it, and there's like the value of variety on a lineup where it's That's just like refreshing. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and people and people. I think a lot of people want to hear. A, a That's good a good crowd, comment. though. I've seen yeah. crowds that when a girl like let's say I know the female comes, she's a friend. Of my, maybe even we wrote together, or whatever. But the moment she steps up on stage, I'm like, ooh, these horny motherfuckers looking at her. <laughs> Uh, she is gonna have a hard time, and I feel bad for her, you know. And sure. it's like, oh man, like. Well, especially because we all make ourselves vulnerable on stage. And yeah, yeah. Obviously, and Ella talks about this a lot in her stand-up, where it's like Ella is the yeah. Ella has moved her comedy from just like hypotheticals, I think, in a way, or like whatever, to what she's actually been facing. Like so. Right. And and I don't want to speak for her, but like she does talk like interact about a lot about how like you. You know, there is this weird double standard. Guys can go up there, talk about their penises all they want, and nobody takes that as, like, an invitation to engage with them on that yeah. level. Yeah. Whereas, like, if a woman goes up there and, and her comedy's influenced by her sex life or whatever, guys take that as, like, this vulnerability is welcoming welcoming me in to now approach her and talk with her on that level. About I that think stuff. women need to stand, all women need to comedy needs to stand in front of a, in front of a world courtroom. <laughs> 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 and, we, and then we can rule if they are uh, uh, human enough to crack those jokes or not. I mean, look. But it's just going to be a board of white comics. I like Bill Burr is going to be yeah. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Come on. Come on, all these women with the equal pay. But I, I, I honestly, I personally, as a crowd member, I don't like a comic guy or girl to consistently talk about their genitals on a constant basis. Of course not. Because the reason for me, I like to say It's kind of hack. Yeah, but I want to hear your opinions. Yeah. I care about your opinions. So I want to hear your opinion about whatever it is. I think the best comic right now, one of, one of the best ones, because there's a couple that I really like right now, but one of the best one, but she happened to be a female, is Michelle Wolf. I love Michelle Wolf. Yeah. And, and whether you're a guy or a girl... She had the best special I've seen in a long time. It's, she's so... Because she's, she talks about penises. And she goes like... Yeah. She's one of the best states. She goes like, I thought I loved dick. That I saw gay men. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, if you want somebody to love your dick as much as, like, you think people should, you should be gay because gay men would worship your penis. <laughs> and that's a point that I think was in everybody's heads on the inside, but then she said it out loud. Yeah. And people were like, oh, that's almost genius that you came up well, with. And I love opinions. I love when, opinions, an opinion. when an opinion drives comedy. It's like, even if it's an opinion I don't agree with, in fact, I sometimes like it more because yeah. I'm being challenged, challenged a little bit uh -huh. in, in my view 
And that makes me, oftentimes, I think that's funnier. Like, it lends itself better. Like, you challenge people with that joke about the uh, Obama trying to, like, appeal, <laughs> appeal to the racists. <laughs> yeah. And the people who don't know this, like, from listening to you on comedy, but they're like, this is a joke where you basically say, you know, I, and, I, and the thing is about it is that uh, this is one of those perfect examples of me knowing what you're going to go with this. I'm just watching. I know the joke. I can go up and say it instead of yeah. you. But I like my, the excitement for me is to see other people's like yeah. I'm watching it. Well, that's, I want to see like what the hell is is how first of all since I know it word by word I want to see if you're gonna add anything. Yeah, which you've done sometime. Oh, okay, he twists. I didn't know this was gonna come. Maybe it's on the spot. Yeah. But then also how the crowd is gonna react, and then I can pick up similarities of how crowds react, and then I can get like almost in my mind like a sadistic or something. How many times? Yeah. So sometimes people would not laugh. And they would. There was a 50-50 chance of them laughing at the part where you go like, and Obama tried to appeal to racists. Yeah. And he had 90% death rate in the Middle East, and racists were like, 95? But 95, right? right? That was sometimes then it would not land. Over time, it started to land more, because you kind of simmered in more to it that you got more comfortable in, in the fact that it's a good joke. Yeah. But it will always like get like a laugh or like, ah, oh, from the end part, which is when you go like, he was the highest uh, murder rate of anybody who got the Nobel Peace Prize. Right. And I didn't know it was all the pieces of searing kids. Right. <laughs> well, and, and you know, the, the, I've never had, a, like, out of all the people who have approached me about that joke, from audience members, obviously comics have said they like yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Audience comics. members, not a single white person. It's always been a, a like, a, a person of color has told me that's a great joke. Uh, I, and it's like, and I wonder if it's like the, the general white insecurities of like, what am I allowed to laugh at? Like, is that okay? Yeah. Is that, oh, this is anti-Obama. I thought we were supposed to like Obama. Oh, you know, like that kind of, and, and that's, I think, especially your act when, I love when you're performing in front of like a white upper class liberal cr- crowd, <laughs> like, like, yeah. like the Gretchen Whitmer, not, not a progressive <laughs> crowd, not a leftist crowd, a, a sort of like they'll oh they'll applaud because they're like oh Osama good diversity we like this and then you come up and you you make fun of you know a lot of the the liberal the establishments yeah Gretchen Wilmer and, and Obama and like and people and obviously you have the amazing joke about George W Bush which you know a that's lot of the, people like George W Bush now because he's he's not Trump you know <laughs> so. still, that's still in the works and I had to run that by Michael Bussler. really it was like the ending I have a problem that I think the ending is funny because I go with the ending I go like um, the acri- you know yeah. what about the holocaust after people like oh, forget the holocaust look at the acrylic behind this guy right. I thought the word acrylic is funny but it doesn't land as much yeah. and then I asked Michael Butler and then he goes like maybe you can say you know instead of you know forget Auschwitz look at this painting of Auschwitz yeah so I'm going to try that in the future and I see how the- I haven't tried that That's yet I haven't, I haven't been able to you know but do, do you think people it's when you go up there people their first thought is, you know, you think of, you think of Islam in America, and then you think of Trump and his Muslim ban, and that's pretty much as far as it goes for a lot of these white upper middle class liberals, right? Yeah. So they know you're going up. Their first thought is going to be, ah, we're going to get some good Trump zingers. He's gonna, he's gonna shit nah, all over Trump. Nah, nah. And then you even intentionally play against that by like praising Trump. Sometimes. Oh yeah, because I go like, I got my work permit. Right. Thanks to my, I, I've been saying my president. <laughs> Mr. Trump, I don't care what you guys. My president, and I always hope people, people get so confused. They're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to. But last time I told them it was tip top, and they got it. And I was like, my president, and a couple of actually the black guys were laughing because yeah. they got my demeanor. I was being sarcastic. They, actually, they were laughing. The one guy, and I go like, I'm kidding. My president is of course Bashar al-Assad. Like, what am I? <laughs> Voting on, but I it's funny because I'm like, yeah, it's hilarious. Of course, I don't give a fuck about Trump. You should know about that by now. But like, it's how 
people, yeah, people take it on their sleeves. They go like, his stuff. Well, it's like they act like we still gotta, we still gotta take it down a peg. You know, <laughs> it's like, like nobody's fine. nobody's targeting Trump in their comedy. We gotta go <laughs> after him. Like, it's like no, it, it, it's funny <laughs> to praise them sometimes. It's hilarious to go the other way. I think it's because it's, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. Well, especially uh, you're doing it in an interesting way. You're not just some like right wing hack. I'm like yeah, I used you know? to say yeah because I would say like yeah because under Trump less Arabs and I'm working more. <laughs> like why would I hate the guy? You know, like he's doing yeah. exactly what I would do, <laughs> which is the reason the amount of people like me here and I get more money. Like that's. So smart. I want to close with one last yeah, question before we're done. We went off the deep end. We did. I, I want to kind of to kind of wrap it up. We talked a little bit about how we would do this movie again today. Yeah. Um, who would you want to cast as the bicentennial man, and would mm. you go with another comic? Is the yes, question. I would. Yeah. Out of respect, I would love to use Jim Carrey. Yeah. I want to see his facial expressions. I think him like kind of he would start off in the movie not having much leverage with his face and right. then because he develops the the ability to emote later in the movie yeah but he has like, this long mouth he has the big mouth like and he has those like like you know like he has those like uh, like Ace Ventura shit that he's been doing for years that like faces and like this stuff so I think the moment he gets those like like muscles in his face I think it would be a fun scene for him to be in front of the mirror like just yeah. like working his face like like uh, like Jim Carrey would um, and he, like you know that smile, and you know, I think that would be like kind of where he started like getting his face like oh my god I can like you know mm, I'm sad now like this is mm, I'm happy like if he does like a little improv in front of the mirror when he first gets his face, but he's getting old so I don't know how much we can play on him. Right. Um, any other comic? I think I. Mm, I think it would be fun to also not make him white too. Sure. I think especially I think, if you're gonna go with the social justice route. Yeah. To cast a person of color in that role. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, it, 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 would, it, it would be hilarious if he didn't realize the implication that he moved into. Right, right. So he thought he's going to be just human. Right. All that he knows, now he's getting pulled over more. Right, right. And now he has to pull his robo card. He's like, I'm actually a robot. I'm not a black guy at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for yeah. that kind of guy, I think Michael Shea. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, because I, I like Michael Shea as a comic. I think yeah. I, he's one of those guys I look up to as a newer guy. I think he is going to carry the Dave Chappelle baton for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think he definitely, when he comes back. Uh, Mo Ammer can be somebody, because Mo Ammer does the comedian. Yeah. The, yeah. He does a lot of uh, voice impressions. So you need the comic that can do voice impressions. You can be one of them. If I'm gonna cast like you can be like definitely oh, yeah, thanks. because also to like, I think we should cast Godfrey. Godfrey. Godfrey is the <laughs> he, yeah. he can do voices. I'm actually you know what? Great uh, voices. Yeah, that's actually bad on me. I haven't uh, decided. Godfrey also I think you know who was one of my favorite comics, but she's also a female. She's one of my favorite of all time. I used to watch her when I was also like uh, seventeen. Who's that? And to this day, she has one. Of, I think she's Gina Yashiri. Oh yeah. yeah. She is to me is hilarious. Yeah. And nobody defeats her charisma. Nobody defeats her whatever. Yeah. You know, she has a style, whatever. So she can be that. She can also be... She can um, also be the robot that has personality, the female one. That's like, yeah, she doesn't... Because the f- robot Aretha doesn't have to be a, a guy. It can yeah. actually... We can have it like a woman who also has now a problem of being... A robot could... The robot could begin as androgynous and have to choose a gender. You yeah. know? Which well, that day, would be even more timely. In this That'd day and age, yeah, you can you know, choose a gender and then, you know, I think uh, it would be nice to have in the plot line the the the... the the robot wasn't exposed 
to the hardships of that gender either. Right. They, that's yeah. just what they liked. Yeah. Yeah. They liked what women did. They liked how caring women were, and yeah. you know, and 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 they they loved like they looked as mothers as the strongest thing they could ever right. be, as a stronger human being than the man. They thought that women actually are better leaders than better this, and they didn't yeah. know. I'm bestowed to the robot that if you actually become that, now you're getting paid less. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be funny. You mean she, I'm getting rewarded less for all of these? Yeah. So it'd be funny. Jenna Shiri is sitting there, and she goes like, "That's that's bullshit, man." Like, what's <laughs> you know, with her demeanor? Yeah. So these kind of you know. But I also think that you know, uh, uh, Ronnie Chang can be. Ronnie Chang, yeah, I love because he's already mad. So I want to <laughs> yeah. see him being like mad. I want to see him standing in front of the World Council. <laughs> That's bullshit. You know yeah. what? What you know? We are. You know. So what? If I just want to get laid. You know. <laughs> Stop! Do it! You know? Like, now! I want it now! You know? So, yeah. So, that, that's, the, that's the person. Uh, who would you have? Uh, well, I, I guess Godfrey is my choice. Just Godfrey, we, yeah. You know, not, maybe just cause, not just because you brought him up, but... Uh, oh, but yeah. that's... Yeah. I forgot Tell about the putting up. Yeah, Godfrey. Yeah, yeah. Russell Peters, had he just been a little bit... You know, I think you need to also kind of have him a little bit younger. Just a little tad, like... Uh, less, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, like anybody we love, the aging. And so, Russell Peters is a little... Yeah, they're all getting up there. Little unfortunately, yeah. Um, and then um, who would you cast as defeat? Like his love of his life, who comes back, skips a generation too. Oh, so who plays two characters? That yeah, who, who would um, be? Um, uh, it's got to be a white woman, I think, because if if we're casting a person of color as the robot, I think I think it's if it's yeah. an interracial relationship that adds something. Yeah, so, yeah, you know. Sure. So like maybe like. Uh, uh, well, I guess it depends on the race of the family too. If they're a working class family, are they a white family or whatever? We I don't can have we can have them white. Yeah. I think. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, white people are man. not always like on the upper echelon of life. Some of them. Yeah. I don't know because I feel like it's kind of a thankless role too. Because it's like she can be an Asian family. Could be an Asian. family. I think the the robot can be black. Yeah, let's cast Aquafina. It's an Asian family. Who's Aquafina? Uh, she's from like Crazy Rich Asians and. Oh really? I don't yeah. know who she is. I gotta look her up. No, but uh, I'm. You know who was, I was watching the Karate Kid yesterday. Yeah. And um, the original or the yeah, yeah yeah Mr Miyagi goes to Japan though. Yeah. This time around. Right. And then, you know, and 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 I, my dad, <laughs> my old Palestinian father goes like man these, they casted the best looking Chinese over there for this movie. <laughs> And I go like, yeah, I mean, because we have this like jokes where like, you know, we're not known for like, you know, there's not pretty people everywhere, but in movies they always cast the prettiest of all, like the prettiest sure. Chinese girl and the prettiest Indian girl and the prettiest Pakistani right. and the prettiest. But Syrian. also like prettiest in terms of what white people consider. Yeah, pretty, exactly. You know? you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he and, and my dad always recognizes that. He goes like, yeah, they just like find this like ultra like uh, you know not normally you know I mean normally yeah you can find them but you know yeah. Uh, at that older ages too, honestly, you know, Asian people age way, way better. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's great We do thing. get gray hair earlier, but our, our face looks pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's all about the yeah. face. Yeah. You yeah. can dye you your can dye. hair all you want. You can dye, you can put no color on the fucking face, <laughs> you know, but you can, but I think, yeah, I think an Asian family, Asian American, so like American yeah. family, but of Asian heritage. Yeah. Uh, uh, because I also think that an Asian family would be the first to invest in technology like this. Yeah. More of the basis that they appreciate technology more. Yeah. I think the norm is that, oh, Asians are just like nerdy. I'm like, yeah, but the nerdy comes from the fact that they also appreciate technology. They see the advancement. So they bring that first purchase to light. Yeah. You know, among other people, whatever. 
And then maybe in the family you can show like the struggles of them, you know, being maybe the family can be in a suburban neighborhood. Sure, yeah. And you know, not everybody is accepted. Maybe that that has a problem when the when the girl brings like a black boyfriend for the first time. Yeah. Because let's face it, minorities have other problems, other minorities. Of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think white people can like deflect from it all they want, but I can tell you, in my culture, yeah, we have racism for sure. Yeah. 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 They question you all the time, like, are you bringing <laughs> this quote unquote? community to our family why right, like, that's right. love man so yeah we can do that and then yeah and then Godfrey can be the guy and then maybe the Asian I used to love Lucy Liu I love Lucy Liu she's older now she'd be the mom yeah yeah she can't yeah, yeah. she can't be she can be the mom yeah so who would be an, a good Asian you said Aquafina you said I, she's just a famous Asian actress I actually don't know her I gotta look her that's her real name Aquafina based on the water bottle yeah well I think that's her <laughs> stage name I don't know it's probably not real that's name. a dope ass name I'll tell you yeah. but I wouldn't think uh, alright so that that would be uh, that would be uh, our uh, and what let's year would that happen. be uh, 20 let's make it take place let's 2050 I feel like if it's, that was it's the far movie, enough out but also within the lifetime of some people I think in that movie I think I can play the role if I'm gonna I would like to cast, cast myself somewhere I would like to play the role of the scientist, scientist dude the Oliver Platt role yeah. the guy who helps I, him I think that would be a small role really quick and I think I can like crack some jokes with the yeah. with the with the robot that he, role. and he won't get it Right, right. I'm like it's fine. Once I get those, like it's like you. I can you got see it. you doing the scene, t- explaining how you're gonna give him the power to enjoy sex. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> how does it? I guess he asks him, "How does it feel?" Yeah, yeah. And he well, can. But now tell. let's do an R-rated version where you're just allowed to riff on sex for five minutes. <laughs> and just, and, yeah. yeah, we can do. Say, so, hey, man, Johnny. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I think, I think you should go for it. I think you should uh, produce a couple of short films. Well, certainly, yeah. Um, I think you're. And beyond, I'll pitch this. I think you are beyond. Disney. A, you're beyond the movie buff. Oh, thank you. Some people think like being a movie buff is the but you I think you are a movie connoisseur. Oh. Somebody yeah. who is like who can smell and taste like a, <laughs> like a good plot and a good movie and and I think it, it would be aside from comedy, I think you are a triple threat to the entertainment community with like being comic, you know, podcasting and I think with the with the with the movie uh thing. I think if you get a good this is to all the listeners, I think if you do get like a couple of short films going for you and you can submit them to the Sundance Film Festivals and the Cannes Film Festivals oh. I think you'd be surprised if somebody picks it up and goes like this dude is, is winning a couple of awards yeah I think I think I would suggest you try that right. do come well, I'll, see you, you I'll see you at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York <laughs> alright we'll, we'll meet each other there yeah I think right. I, I, I want to benefit from, from famous Johnny I'm like <laughs> you know what man you yeah but yeah I think I think that's very not out of the realm not yeah. out of the realm at all because we've seen that with producers and stuff who come out and unfortunately they, they, they don't get hired much. They, they don't yeah. like, when they give speeches, they're always very like uh, thankless. Well, thank everybody and then yeah. good night. I'm like, no man, talk, see those like, so say those like somber speeches. They all say like Matthew McConaughey and stuff who had yeah. the best speeches ever yeah. about the three people he looks up to yeah. and whatever. That was a great speech. Well, and but, I... Uh, also, I, I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate your friendship over all this time. Thank you for having me. I thank you for. Uh, I appreciate your support. I mean, having I didn't even realize you recorded my set all that time ago at Louis. I've, I've had it. Yeah, I've had. It. I got. It's on my other flash drive. I got. I got to okay. look it up. Um, and um, yeah, because sometimes you were hard on yourself, and I was yeah. like, no. I didn't realize too when I first met you that you were very young at the time. You were like twenty-one. We were under, so you were nineteen. I was nineteen. Yeah. 
And I was fucking 28, 27. <laughs> I was like, yo. And, and then that's why probably you thought I was doing it for longer. I just had like an old guy, like right. an older guy. Well, I think you had the confidence of somebody who had been doing it longer. A little bit, it, but I know? think it's also the young guy in you. Because the older yeah. guys can tell that I'm not doing it for that long. Sure. But yeah. you, you know, and you know, you kind of like reaffirmed the whole, like, you know, like the whole heckling thing. Like, oh, I love when you heckle that guy. And I was like, I got to be <laughs> friends with this dude. Yeah. And I think you're one of the first guys I was kind of nervous to kind of be friends with. I'm like, I hope he likes me. <laughs> you know, because you're mature beyond your years. I think it's a great testament to your parents. If if Mrs. Sopa is listening and and Mr. Masni listening, yeah. is listening, it's a, it's a great testament to them. I really can tell from somebody's demeanor uh, how much how much you know uh, he was well taken care of. Oh, so thank you. So don't don't you fucking that. upset your parents, buddy. <laughs> I won't. And uh, <laughs> when you actually are in town next time, my mom will want to actually have you over for dinner. Yeah, I would love real. to. This is on record now. Yeah, yeah. I missed the first time. Actually, I will let you know in advance, and okay. I will put you guys in a group text on Facebook and be All like, right. "Hey, I'm the Markney family, I'm <laughs> coming to town, and I I will uh, I will yeah." So Sounds I'll good. see you soon. It's not a goodbye. I'll see you soon. Of course. See you soon, and good luck. Thank you. It's, yep. Everybody, thank you. All right, everybody, that wraps up another episode of We Are Movies. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much as well to my good friend Osama Basal for coming on again. Uh, obviously go follow him on all the social media stuff. If you haven't, you can find him on Instagram at Osama's comedy cave and, uh, keep up with him as he moves on to greater pastures over there on the coast. And, um, if, uh, if you're a fan of this podcast and you haven't yet, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at we are movies pod. You can also like the Facebook page. We are movies. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Johnny Mockney, J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-O-C-N-Y. That's all I have for you today. I will be back with you very soon. And until then, this is Johnny Mockney saying nom, 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 nom.